Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Because for all the people saying, oh, he's not going to fall, he's not going to fall, he's not going to fall. If they don't fall, somebody else is going to fall. There's only 21 picks before the Packers pick. So it's not like everybody's getting picked. So if if some guys don't fall, other guys are going to fall. So Packers are going to get an impact player no matter who it ends up being. All right. And and not every team is drafting a wide receiver, you know? Right. That's also the thing. That's not one of the top three needs on every team is wide receiver. Right. All right. We are back on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake and I getting the, the creative juices flowing already because we are very anxious to see each other's lists. That we've, we've been talking about it during the week, but we think are going to end up being pretty different lists. Um, but before we get into the lists, I want to I want to address something. This is something I've seen so many times in places, and I, I want to address the losing mindset that that it implies. And the implication being that us as Packers fans are supposed to believe that it would be worse to lose in the playoffs than it would be to miss the playoffs because you could get a higher draft pick or I'd rather not make the playoffs than choke in the playoffs. And that's that to me, that's such a losing mindset. That's that's exactly what it is, because, you know. For all the fans that you know of other teams that can say, oh, we know what's going to happen. The Packers are going to choke in the playoffs like they always do. Give me a chance at winning it all over a higher draft pick 1,000 out of 1,000 times. Not even a question. I don't say, know why you would want to suck. <laughs> at, like there's, there's no frame of mind where it makes sense that you would rather miss the playoffs just to have a higher draft pick. There's just, seven rounds in the NFL draft. Like if you're getting, you're having first round picks, you're gonna get arguably somebody of value if you draft any what you know well at all. Um, obviously, not all draft picks hit, but it's such a losing mindset to say you'd rather miss the playoffs for a higher draft pick than to lose in the first round. Two things. First of all, just because you have a higher pick doesn't guarantee that player is going to be better than the player we get. You gotta have the right people in the in the right spots. Yep. The right scouts. You know, taking the right people for the for your scheme. 
Secondly, all those people that are saying they would rather, you know, lose rather than have a chance at the title, I guarantee they all play the lottery and waste their money in the lottery. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, James, James makes a fair point that, it, that it's um, easier to handle missing the playoffs than it is to handle a loss in the playoffs. But it's, there's, it's a yin and yang situation there. The whole lead up to the playoff game, that's so much fun to talk about your team being in the playoffs and if they go on, who they're going to face and what it's going to come down to. So, I mean, you get the you get the high the week before just as you get the low if your team loses. So, and and like I said, there's there's no frame of mind where I would rather miss the yeah. playoffs than have a chance at winning it all. And, you know, it sucks losing in the playoffs, but I enjoy the regular season. I enjoy winning games. I enjoy yep. talking about that. At the end of the day, you have to have perspective. You know, it is still just sports. And there's going to be a next season, and your team's going to be there next season. So he's got you take the good with the bad, man. But if you would rather lose and suck than go to the playoffs, you need to check yourself into a mental hospital because that's just <laughs> not okay. It's a it's a losing mindset, is is what it is. Simon, you know, made the point. You know, if you don't make the playoffs, there's a hundred percent chance that you don't win the Super Bowl. That's um, true. I could look up the numbers to tell you how many wild card teams won the Super Bowl. We know at least one of them. Well, the last one was the Packers, I believe, the Packers. still, right? So, so, I mean, we know it's possible and we know that it's happened before. I agree. And, and right. the Bucks the Bucks won the title last year as a 3 seed. Just cuz right. somebody else was the 1 seed doesn't make them better than right. us. It's just a regular season record. But yeah, let's uh let's get back on track here. I'm excited for this. We put a lot of work into this, man. Let's we do did. this. So, I'm going to I'm going to start it off, but I'm going to say that I challenged oh, yeah. myself to get 10 sources. So, 10 sources. Okay, last one was the Buccaneers. I challenged myself for 10 sources for for my what ended up becoming into my rankings and I hit that. So, if you know, we are not draft experts, but we've done the work on this. And we will continue to do so every position um, that we addressed last week in the positions that we think the Packers should take a look at, which was wide receivers, tight ends, um, all the offensive line positions, linebackers, and then defensive line and safety is going to be our last one. And we do want to announce today that on April – shoot, I forgot what day it is. 21st. 21st. April 21st. At the Keel Parker Johns, we're going to be doing a live draft special um, almost exactly a year from when we did our last one, when we did our live draft special. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely going to have a lot of fun with that. But Jake and I are anxious to hear each other's wide receiver rankings, so we're going to get into it right away. So, Jake, <sighs> do you want me to Man. go first or do you want to go first? I want you to go first. I'm still stressing over here, bro. Uh, my, I just my hope I'm one, ready. It's, it's really mine's – really, my number one is really basic. It gets a little spicier after this. But my number one, I stuck with Garrett Wilson. Um, he's got the four, three, eight speed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good route runner. Um, he's got good hands, which was one of my top criteria. Um, he's elusive. He's quick. He's fast. There is a difference between quick and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got good hands. So the good hands was, is going to be my top, the top thing that I'm looking for. So I'm looking for good hands. Cause I want a guy Rogers can trust. I'm looking for speed. That's something Lat LaFleur already talked about. I'm looking for good route running, and then mm-hmm. I'm looking for athleticism, blocking, and size. 
because I believe that with you know with those other criteria that size is going to come along with some of those guys. So that's why size is a little lower on my criteria. But that's the way that I'm grading these players, and that's the way that I made my rankings. So my number one is Garrett Wilson. Jake, who you got? All right. Uh, six wildcard teams won the Super Bowl since the wildcard started. Okay. Um, here we go, Jimbo. I hey, hope you're ready go. for this. Jimbo, yeah, Jimbo is getting the research for me. I Jimbo, Jimbo's that. our guy. Hey, Andy I was talking sweet, to him man. yesterday about one of my guys, so Jimbo knows one of my guys already. <laughs> my top three could all have been number one. I was just telling Tyler, um, I was stressing. I was like, dude, who do I put number one? I have numbers everywhere, so I'm going to be flipping my notebook, so just bear with me here. Um, my number one guy, I settled on Chris Olave, the teammate to Garrett Wilson. Um, I wanted a little tidbit that I found is that he actually has a block punt in his career, which I don't think he'll ever be on special teams to block a punt, but I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. That was that like he, his freshman year, I think, and I think he got returned for a touchdown, actually. It did. It got caught in the air, and then the guy yeah. ran it in untouched. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Chris Olave, kind of like what you said with Gary Wilson, he's a really good route runner, ran a lot of double moves. He's got super soft hands. The ball's like Velcro in there. And he had 65 catches for 936 yards and 13 touchdowns. So when you break down the percentages, one out of every five catch, one out of every one of his five catches were a touchdown. So this guy is just a playmaker. He has a second gear like no other. He has 4.39 speed, so he's a tick, tick slower. But Chris Olave is an excellent receiver, and he would look great in green and gold. That's awesome. All right. Well, it's going to happen at least one more time, but Jake and I have the same number two, Drake London. He is mm-hmm. massive. He is 6'5", yeah. just gigantic. He makes contested catches. He's good in yards after the catch. He's a guy that Aaron Rodgers can trust. Jake, what else do you want to say about Drake London? Oh, man, Drake London. I absolutely love this guy. We've been hearing about him the whole college football year because, you know, a friend of the show, our buddy Isaac, is actually yep. a huge USC fan, and he talked about him a lot. And London is the master of the 50-50 ball. He's extra physical. And I just, you know, his, his stats, listen to this, listen to this. 88 receptions, 1,084 yards, seven touchdowns. That's in eight games. Eight games. He could have played four more games and went crazy. That's 11 catches a game, man. He's absolutely At a phenomenal six, five. athlete. It's not like he's a slot receiver catching five-yard slant passes every Yeah, 6-5 ran a 4-5. You know, you're getting Mike Evans vibes, really. Um, the reason that I have him number two, I think his play style would absolutely be loved here from day one in Green Bay. You yep, have A.J. Dillon running people runner. over, yep. and then you're getting freaking punished by Drake London, and you got to take into consideration blocking is a huge key for wide receivers. 6'5", yep. you know, that guy out there leading the way. you got Lazard, who's 6'5". I mean... It's just a match you made in heaven. You put those two on the outside in a red zone situation. Yeah. With with Kittle White, Robert Tunyon. Yeah. On the tight ends and Aaron Jones in the backfield. Good luck single covering anybody. Yeah. Oh, the Packers are in trouble. <laughs> yeah, okay. That That's such a stupid argument, too, as if the Packers <laughs> were going to stand pat at wide receiver. Like, that, I know. I don't even me. comment on those posts anymore, man. Yeah, it's just... It's, you have to breath. like. You have to know that they're gonna move. They're gonna make moves, whether it's draft, trade, or sign. Like they're gonna do something, but they're probably gonna wait until the draft to draft the players that they can, and then get guys with complementary skill sets. That's what I keep saying. They're gonna. Jake and I think the same thing that they're gonna draft two mm-hmm. and sign one or trade for one. So they're gonna mm-hmm. get two rookies and a veteran that are gonna compete for starting jobs. Yep. 
So that's, that's where Jake and I are at. So my number three is Jameson Williams. Um, <laughs> I told you it was going to happen at least one more time. Yeah. Now we know it's still going to happen another time yet. Um, he's 6'2". It's kind of an unfortunate comparison to make because the guy is not going to be in the league ever again. But um, his speed is compared to Henry Ruggs, mm-hmm. who was somebody the Packers had interest in back when he was drafted because he's just insanely fast. The thing with Jameson yeah. Williams He's got better hands, and he's better after the catch. So a good yards after catch guy is something the Packers could really benefit. A guy like kind of Cooper Cup, who is really good with yards after the catch. He can rack up those yards. So a good yards after catch guy is something that caught my eye with a lot of guys that I'm ranking. But I have Jameson Williams, number three. I also have Jameson Williams, number three. And I learned a new word today, and I'm going to use it right now. Uh, Gazooks. That guy is fast. It means holy shit, basically. Um, so I signed up for this new thing to learn some new words. And Gazooks, 17th century is where it came How from. How is that day one? How is that the day one word? <laughs> no, no, no. This is like the, this is my, my seventh day. I signed up for this a week ago. How is that um, day seven word? That's got that's like a day 254 word. Hey, that's just the word, bro. <laughs> I don't know. They email me, I read the word, okay? I wanted to apply it. Oh um, Jameson Williams, uh, he has a track background, and you can tell. Um, he... He, and it's surprising that he's 6'2", because you don't usually see a guy that, that's this fast. Usually they're 5'10", 5'9". This, usually, this draft has a lot of that, where it's like, that guy's that tall? How is he that fast? There's uh, right. a lot of that in this draft. I mean, th- this draft is fast. So for Mark Murphy to come out you know, and, and LaFleur to come out and be like, we want to add speed to this room, yeah. You picked a very good draft for that, I'll say. <laughs> and that's the um, thing. People, you know, if you if, – if you as a Packers fan or if you as another sports fan like James is a is a Saints fan, if somebody's going to tell you that there's not any starting level, you're not going to get rookies aren't going to start day one, this draft has day one starters. This draft uh, is so deep at wide receiver, it's stupid. Dude, there's at least 10 wide receivers, I would say, that could start day one in the NFL easily. Yeah, I have I have seven highlighted just in my top 20. Yeah, I easily. Um, but Jameson Williams, he ran a four two five forty. That's that is blazing. That guy's freaking moving. He's got great ball skills when the ball's in the air. And like Tyler said, I'm gonna double down on it. His rack, his rack ability is insane. Uh, it sucks that he tore his ACL, so that's something to take into consideration. But so what I saw about that is he personally said that he's ahead of schedule on that. He said about five to seven months from March. So that tells me he could be ready sometime between August and October. So mm-hmm. that, for me, you know, other guys are off my board because of injuries. But Jameson Williams still came in at number three for me because he's going to be only missing a small chunk of the season. 25%, um, maybe. Yeah. So he's not going to be missing until, you know, December. Like, the the people that want to sign Odell Beckham Jr., it's really just not even on the table for me because he's not going to be available until December or January. There's no time to build any chemistry there. Yeah, that's tough. So Jameson Williams... Could be ready late summer, early fall. Um, my number four is Jake's number one. It's Chris Olave. Um, for me, he's not quite as good yards after the catch-wise as Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Jamison Williams. That's why he kind of slid down a little bit for me. But he, you know, Jake already brought up his route running for me. Um, route running is important. Um, he's going to need to bulk up a little bit in the NFL. He's going to need to get a little bit stronger, a little bit more muscle. That's going to happen with. It's going to happen with guys going from college to the NFL. Um, but the thing that I want to bring up is something that the Packers use a lot and it's RAS scores. 
So it's relative athletic scores. It's based strictly on athleticism. Mm -hmm. So it's your size and your agility, speed, um, things like that. All that combined to give you an RAS score. Now, what I what I got from this is 36 of the 47 non-specialist picks that the Packers have made since Gutekunst has been here have had an RAS score of 7.86 or higher. So the RAS scores that factors in size and speed. So I'm going to mention that RAS score a bunch of times when we're talking about these guys. I'm going to start with Chris Olave. His is 8.65. So it's pretty good. It actually pretty good. It's number it's number 17 on the 39 that I wrote down. So um, Chris Olave, 8.5, 8.65 RAS score. Um, the comparisons that he gets are Terry McLaurin is his is his NFL comparison. That's the guy that he gets compared to. So pretty good. A guy like Scary Terry on the Packers would be Chris Olave is one of those guys who would step in as a day one starter, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, they went to the same college too, so mm-hmm. very very fair fair comparison. Um, my number four is. Uh, Green Bay Packers' favorite wide receiver, Traylon Burks. Uh, this guy, he he's a good player, man. He had 66 catches, over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's big. Uh, he only ran a 4.5, but when I watch the tape, he doesn't look like a 4.5 guy. He looks like he's moving faster. He runs fluid. He had a very good game against Alabama. So when I'm looking at, at players you know, in their conference, I want to see them against their best competition. So when you're going up against Alabama or last year you're going up against a Georgia and you're performing against those guys that are also going to the NFL, that shows me something. And Traylon Burks, he's a, he's a willing blocker. He's got great hands, and he runs tough. And that's something that I always – I always cherish that in a wide receiver when they when they run hard and they can they're not afraid of contact. That's something that's important to me. I don't know why it just is. That's why I love Drake London so much. But Traylon Burks, sport. yeah, Traylon Burks does that too. He ain't afraid of nobody. All right, that's not bad. Um, I have him a little bit lower, but I'll get to that when I get to him. Uh, my number five is Christian Watson. So I have him number five because I believe he is the best combination of size and speed in this entire draft. He okay. scored, he's 6-4, and he ran a 4-3-6-40. That's insane. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned those RAS scores. Christian Watson had the highest in this entire draft class, 9.96. He had a great combine, dude. Great combine. That score is out of 10. <laughs> yeah. So... So that, like I said, I think he's he's the best combination of size and speed in this draft. Um, he'd be like a slightly taller version of MVS, basically, um, with arguably better hands. Okay. Okay. Um, so my number five is actually Garrett Wilson. He fell all the way to number right. five there for me. Right. Um, Garrett Wilson, he's a great player. Uh, he has run after catchability. He's one of the best, if not the best, route runner in this draft. He has above-the-rim ability. Uh, the thing that I really like about Garrett Wilson, and the reason that I have him at number five is because I don't think the Packers are going to get him, but if he does, he would be awesome. In 2020, he had 73% of his snaps from the slot, and in 2021, he had 83% of his snaps on the outside. So hmm. he's a guy that you can throw either spot, and he's going to be good. And this might upset some people, but when I was reading on one of my sites, one of my uh, uh, he got compared to Devontae Adams. So... Hmm. 
just going to leave that out there. If you right. wanted to replace the guy, get the guy that's going to compare to him. <laughs> so for Garrett Wilson, basically the Packers would probably have to trade up to somewhere in the 8 to 12 range. Mm-hmm. So I did look it up um, based on, you know, this is a, this is obviously purely contextual, but based on value charts of what, what those picks are valued at, the Packers would basically have to give up probably the number 28 pick and a second round pick to get into that eight to 12 range to get into a top 10 pick. So that's, it, that's basically the cost you're basically paying. So like Jake said, you're comparing him to Devonte Adams. You're basically paying the, the price that you got for Devonte Adams to go and draft a younger, could cheaper be the version. next Devonte Adams. Yeah. And if, if you have a guy that you absolutely love, you got to pull the trigger. That's just how yep. it works. All right. So my number six is George Pickens. So he has a very uh, he has a very small sample size because he was recovering from an ACL injury up until December last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played three games at the end of last year, so um, he would be basically ready to go for training camp and stuff. You just have to kind of make sure that he's a hundred percent. But my big thing with George Pickens is so far out of the guys that we've talked about, he is the best blocker of them. Bro, the, he the was pancaking dudes. Yes, he was. Pancaking them. Oh, love this Give me guy. You're number six. It's George Pickens. I freaking <laughs> love this guy. You know, every year, you know, last two years when we've been doing this, I just fall in love with somebody. I'm like, dude, if George Pickens dude, ends I up I have in one. Bay, He's coming up. I have one. Like I said, Jimbo knows one of my favorite guys. I have one coming up. And if he gets drafted by the fucking Cowboys, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> oh, it better not happen. George Pickens either, man. I I seriously, man, I love this guy. Um, 6'3", 195. Dude, he runs like a freaking gazelle. I mean, he only he only ran a 4.47. I say only. I would get get nowhere near <laughs> right. that. But, I mean, he he seems like a really big boomer bust guy. He seems like he has all the tools, and he just hasn't put it all together yet. You know what I mean? He, he loves contact. He can go get the deep ball. He can make the toe tap. He has sideline awareness. This guy is one of my favorite players in this draft, and I really want him in Green Bay. I think... Because of the ACL injury, I think this is a guy that might slip into the second round, if I'm being honest with you. Teams might get a little scared of that, but teams also overdraft players when they when they love right. their potential. So I don't know what's going to happen with George Pickens, but we drafted a Georgia guy last year around the same pick, 22. So that seemed to work out pretty good. Yeah, I would say. So my number seven is a guy Jake already mentioned. It's Traylon Burks. This is a guy that Packers have met with already. Um okay. For for my taste, one of my my top three criteria was route running, and that's mm-hmm. something that Traylon Burks needs to improve at is his route running. He's great with yards after the catch, and he's great in space, but he's got to get in space first. And creating that separation with your route running is something that I really I really really want to put a lot of stress on because that's something that the Packers have missed. Is, is guys that can create separation in a one on one situation. Basically, the last few years, the Packers have only had one guy that can do that. And he's the only guy that got targeted in the playoff game. Yep. So, for me, route running is really important in in my my rankings that, so you can create that separation. So, route running, I'm going to harp on it a lot. So, my number seven is Traylon Burks. My number seven is a 5'10", 195-pound guy out of Western Michigan. He ran a 4-4-1. His name is Sky Moore. He had 95 catches, 1,292 yards, and 10 touchdowns. 
He has he had 26 broken tackles last year. That is most of any wide receiver in all FBS. Nice. And he came to into into college as a cornerback. And his mm. freshman year, he flipped a wide receiver because of team needs, and then he immediately just started showing, you know, potential, potential, potential. And then he hit still his wears head. a cornerback number. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Um, he's very, very shifty. Um, he's a guy, you know, like you're talking route running. He's a guy that can beat press man to man. You see it a bunch of times in his highlight film, and everybody writes about it. So I did not do ten. I did about five uh, with most of my guys, but everybody was writing about how he beats one on one. And he's a natural receiver, is how a lot of people worded it. Sky Moore would be, I don't know, the last Western Michigan guy we got isn't a fan favorite anymore, but he was pretty good when he was here. I don't know if you remember Greg Jennings. Hmm. All right, here we go. This, oh, this is my guy. This is my guy. My number eight. I want him on the Packers so bad. If you, if you say the same number eight as me, I might lose it. Say it. Oh, my number eight is Alec Pierce. Okay, it's not mine. I want him so bad. He, oh, this is, the Packers fans will love this. Alec Pierce is a faster Jordy Nelson. That's what he is. Okay, okay. He's great hands, great after the catch. He's 6'3 and ran a 4'4'1 40. So he's a good blocking wide receiver. He scored a 9.81 on the RAS scores. Yeah, he's an athletic freak, dude. So that's number three in the entire wide receiver draft class. Like I said, if you watch his highlights, he's oh man, he reminds me of Jordy so much. The guy that you can trust him to, you know, do the back shoulder throw, which is something that Jordy Nelson obviously became super famous for with his mm-hmm. relationship with Rogers. But um if the Packers could find some way to um you know maybe do something like drafting a Drake London or Chris Olave at twenty two maybe even moving back out of the first round into the early second round and picking up another pick and drafting Alec Pierce somewhere in the middle of the second round. You're going to be mad how low I have Alec Pierce, but I, I, I still love you. I do. I, I knew at some point we were going to get into some really, some really big um, differences in, yeah, in numbers like here. But yeah. It's going to get weird when we get into the teens because I completely left some guys off my list. All right, here we go. My number eight is uh, John Mechie the third from Alabama. Uh, this guy's six foot, one ninety five. He ran four three six, and the NFL comparison that I read from two different sites is Jalen Waddle. That guy was pretty good with with Tua Tagovailoa last year in Miami. Um, he's just a guy. He I think he could be a steal. Um, he's getting overlooked because he was next to Jameson Williams, in my opinion, at Bama, um, and. In my opinion, I mean, everybody knows this, Bama has been a wide receiver factory for the last how many years now? So if you're a wide receiver coming out of um, out of Alabama, I think you're going to end up being pretty good. So John Mechie third, this guy is just speed. Alabama just gets guys that are fast. So You want a spoiler alert? Yeah, what's up? John Mechie is not on my list. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I'm serious. He Dude, is out with his ACL until November or December. I know, but he's so good. He is not on my list. I like wow. I said, that chemistry is so important. I don't, I don't want to spend our one of our top five picks on a guy who's not going to be playing until the second half of the season. That's fair. I respect that. So he's not, not even in my top twenty. <laughs> Look at Jimbo. 
<laughs> Jimbo, Jimbo, I, I said that because Jimbo knew one of my guys. Alec Pierce is one of my guys. But See, look my at my guy, Steve, guy on there. Jake, there we go. My number nine is a guy that uh, Jake already mentioned. It's Sky Moore. I have him at number nine. Um, okay. He's a good route runner. He's fast. Uh, he can be a good slot receiver, which is something the Packers kind of don't quite need as much because they have Randall Cobb and Amari Rodgers who could fill that role potentially. Um, and there's also a lot of slot receivers on the free agent markets. Um, so I'm just not quite as needy on a, on a small wide receiver, but um, I do see a scenario where the Packers draft one really big guy like a Drake London and then a small guy, but my number 11 would be a, a guy that I would like to pair with with a guy like Drake London. But um, Sky Moore, he'd be a good, solid slot receiver, good role runner, and not – not great size, but you know, like Jake said, a guy like Jalen Waddle. I agree. All right, so my number nine is a guy from the South Alabama Jaguars, baby. His name is Jalen Tolbert. He ran a four four nine forty. He's six three one ninety five. If you can't tell, I'm big on the forty time. Okay, if we're gonna get speed, if our president, our GM, our head coach is talking about they're gonna get speed, I'm looking at speed. And this guy is a big play waiting to happen. Every every play that I saw, he was going down the field. Going down the field. Going down the field. And it wasn't just straight routes. He was doing outs. He was doing, you know, he was doing them all. Um, he had 16 deep big play receptions last year, which was fifth in all of college football. And if you look at South Alabama, I'm going to assume they don't have the best quarterback in the nation. So for him to make plays in those tight coverages, man on man, on man it shows me something. Hit 18 yard average per catch. That's a big number right there. All right. My number 10 is, and this is another one I know we have the same of. It's Jahan yeah. Dotson. Yep, um, yep. He's he's actually kind of similar to Sky Moore. Um, mm-hmm. Size wise, they're good on the sidelines. Um, Badgers fans, unfortunately, know a little bit about Jahan Dotson. He's good at getting behind the safeties. Um, <sighs> he did that to just, the just our safety, boys. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do you want to say about Jahan Dotson? Um, like you said, he's not very big. He's 5'11", 184, but he's not afraid of contact. You know, you play in the Big Ten, that's a big boy conference. There's a lot of contact, a lot of hitting. Um, he wasn't afraid of that. He took that head on, and he has great hands. He only dropped two of 93 catchable targets last year, so he's sure-handed. All right, here's where this is going to get a little interesting because there's a lot. Like I said, I took a lot of different sources from this. But mm-hmm. my number eleven, this is this is my perfect guy that I would pair if the Packers say got Drake London at twenty two, um, towards probably this guy might be a third round pick. It's Khalil Shakir. I have him at number eleven. Okay, okay. I don't even have him. I, I really like I really like Khalil Shakir. He's he's five eleven, so he's not massive, but he's not tiny either, I guess. Um what I've seen from a lot of scouts saying is that he could fill like a Debo Samuel type role where you can kind of move him around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he's a 4-4-3-40, so he's fast. He makes contested catches. He can make guys miss, which is something, again, like yards after the catch is something that wasn't in my criteria, but something I really started to notice about a lot of guys. Um, and then Khalil Shakir also had an 8.28 on the RAS scores, so that combination of size and speed and agility is um, something that Packers take notice of and they use in their drafting. So um, Khalil Shakir came in at number 11 for me. All right. Well, here's one that I have way farther down than you. 
and his name is Christian Watson. Okay. Um, obviously, you heard the 40 time, 4.36 at 6.5 is absolutely insane. Um, in my opinion, this guy's MVS 2.0. Uh, in his career, he has 16 drop passes. He only had two last year, so he improved on that. Yeah, he's long, fast. He's very athletic. He has a 38 and a half inch vertical, and he got a 136 on the broad jump. So this guy can jump. This guy can run. He just has a little bit of concentration issues. The reason I have him so low is I think it might be tough, and a lot of people were saying this as well, and I agreed with it. Is going from North Dakota State to the NFL is basically like jumping two levels in competition. So he might not be ready day one that he might be a deer in the headlights for a couple of weeks. It might be a guy that you have to bring along, bring along, bring along. And then on top of that, you're going with Rogers. So Rogers is going to demand a lot out of a rookie wide receiver, but Christian Watson gets the nod at number 11 because he is a all American on special teams. He's a great punt returner, great kick returner. And obviously as Packers fans, we know that's something we can use some juice on. So no matter if he's out there catching passes right away, day one, something we can bring him along on, he will make an impact on special teams. Yeah, and with him too, um, you know, he came from North Dakota State, but so did Carson Wentz and so did Trey Lance. Those guys are both, both top five picks. So, um, sure. you know, there are guys that make that jump, so it didn't concern me quite as much. Um, I mean, you mentioned a guy from Southern Alabama already. Um, mm-hmm. Alec Pierce came from Cincinnati, although that team was ranked in the top 10 most of last season. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, colleges that aren't super known for producing NFL talent, it still can be there. It's just a little bit more of a risk. Right, um, right. My number 12. Now, this is something if the Packers were to grab a Chris Olave with their first-round pick and, say, go tackle or defense or something like that later in the in the draft, Okay. My guy, number 12, is Justin Ross. So they could pair him uh-huh. with Chris Olave. Justin Ross is a 6'4". He's a huge dude. He's great at route running. He can do all the hand fighting. So, you know, we know Devontae Adams got open by using his feet. His, you know, his feet, his footwork gave him a great release every time. Mm-hmm. Justin Ross, he can do the hand fighting. He can do that with, you know, if a cornerback wants to get up and press on him, he can do the hand fighting and work through that make contested catches, and he can get yards after the catch. So Justin Ross, I have at number 12. Um, I moved him down just a little bit. Um, don't bring up Billy Turner, Simon. I don't want to hear about Billy Turner. I don't, I'm not a fan of him. Yeah, he showed um, that he played at North Dakota State in the playoffs. <laughs> so the only thing that kept him below Sky Moore and Jahan Dotson for me is because he needs to get a little faster, and he needs to work out his blocking. But at 6'4", he's got plenty of frame to put more muscle on and to work on that blocking. But I have Justin Ross at number 12. My number 12 is the guy that actually might be the fastest guy in this draft. His name is Kelvin Austin III. He ran a 4-3-2. They said that was unofficial, and I read a quote that's saying that he he feels like he can run faster than that is a quote that I saw. Um, So that's pretty scary. Um, You ran a 4-3-2, and you're just like, yeah, you know, I felt slow today. Okay, cool. Had a big Um, lunch. He's a guy, you know, when I look at him and I watched him, I actually went to a guy that was in the draft last year. His name was Rondell Moore. Yep, I was, have that written down. Yep. Do you really? Yeah. Do you that, have guy, that, down with him? that guy was pretty good in the NFL last year, yeah. and he didn't play with a quarterback that this, that's as good as Aaron Rodgers. going to put it right on the money every time, you know. So, Calvin Austin's a guy. He's a good route runner. He's small, so he'll yep. probably end up being inside in the slot. Yep. But if you get him matched up on your third best corner or a linebacker, with or a that linebacker, speed, <laughs> yeah, that's 
you know, and you got Aaron Rodgers who's going to put it right here every time, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the match made in heaven. Um, he's just fast, and I like that. <laughs> he's a guy, too, that you could pair with, like, a Drake London or even, like, a Justin yep. Ross, and you could have some complementary skill sets there. So that's, 100% agree. that's really what I'm thinking with the Packers is that they're going to – they're not going to just draft strictly best available because that is what they do. But they're also, my opinion, going to try to get guys complimentary so they have the best chance of finding as many potential starters at the position as they mm-hmm. possibly could. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really looking a lot at complimentary play styles. Um, Darnell Mooney, I mean, he's he could That's be a good, good comparison too if he had a if he had a good quarterback. I mean, he still actually, produced last season, yeah. but. Um, you know, being able to produce with a bad quarterback is always something that kind of catches people's eyes. And, and you know, uh, with Austin, I thought of the jet sweep with that four three, or maybe he's faster than four three speed. Um, that's the guy that you know you you bring him off of there, and you go deep with Aaron Rodgers, or you got Tanya coming off over the top. Like that's something that could be scary, man. We still got Aaron Rodgers. That's what people got to remember. We still have the best yep. quarterback in the league. Just get guys that are going to do the right things at the right time. We'll be all right. Yep. Um, Tyler asked that Jamison Williams said, yeah, he was number three, I think, on both of our lists, actually. Yeah, we, he was he was number three at both for both of us. Okay. All right, moving on to number 13. I have a guy out of Nevada. His name is Romeo Dubs. He's got a cool name. Um, not the best route runner, but he's 6'2". He, can, um, he makes a lot of contested catches. He's got strong hands. So that, mm-hmm. for me, is something that seeing what he does – um, he, to me, struck me as a guy that could earn Rodgers' trust on third down. That if you throw him the ball, he's catching it and he's holding on to it. He's going to have it secure. Um, and then Romeo Dubs is a great punt returner. So mm-hmm. Jake was mentioning guys in the return game. Romeo Dubs is a great punt returner out of Nevada. So, you know, at 6'2", isn't, <clears throat> isn't bad size. So Romeo Dubs is my number 13. I like when we have people on the list, but they're in different spots. That's that's what I really like. But not my number 13 is a guy out of Purdue. I just talked about a former wide receiver out of Purdue, but it's David Bell. Um, this guy, you know, you're, you're looking at his stats, you're like, how the heck is this guy number 13? Well, he ran a 4.65. He's not super fast. When I was watching the tape, he's not a willing and great run blocker. That's something that's going to have to change in the NFL. No matter what team you play for, we're only focusing on the Packers. You have to want to run block. I'm sorry. That's just what it is. You got to do everything. You got to be the total package. Um, and not a lot of slot production. He really is just, you know, you throw him on the outside. He's the X receiver. And you just let him go to work out there. Uh, he was highly productive, though. So, you know, with that, he gets the nod. He moves up a little bit farther on my list. He's a guy that produces when you need him to. His freshman year, this is him as a freshman. He had 86 catches for 1,035 yards and seven touchdowns. Last year, he was insane last year. 93 catches, 1,275 yards, and six touchdowns. Obviously, he had that monster game against Iowa when Iowa was way overranked. And then they came and played us, and we smacked them again. Uh, good times, by the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, David Bell, he's a good player. I think he's a guy that if we wanted to take one early and then take offensive line, defensive line, and then fill some voids, and then he, he's our last pick in the second round, I'd be okay with that. David Bell could be a productive player in the NFL. You want to know something that might make you mad? What's that? You don't have David Bell's not in my top twenty. I didn't think so. That's all right. That's I, like all right. I said, I prioritize route running, blocking, size, and speed. Like size is lower down, but the four six five, not great at blocking and not great at route running. That that turned me off of him. So, 
Moving into my number 14, the guy that Jake already mentioned, it's Calvin Austin. I have him at number 14. <laughs> um, great route runner, great hands. He's got the breakaway speed, and he's quick. So I mentioned when I first said this that um, being fast and being quick are two different things. So, you know, you can be, you know, 4, you know, 4-4 four, four speed or 4-3 four, speed or 4-2 and change speed, but being able to move quickly is different. That's being able to make cuts quickly, being able to change your body, the change of your direction of your body quickly. Mm-hmm. That helps you create separation. So you want a guy that's fast and quick, mm-hmm. or you know, even just a guy that's just quick. Like Devontae Adams was was really, really, really quick. He wasn't overly fast. He wasn't going to beat anybody in a track meet, but he was still fast and he was very quick. What, yeah, he, he just Devontae never got caught from behind because he had 20 yards of separation. <laughs> right? The guy was turning in the wrong direction. He was like, fuck, where did he go? Yeah. <laughs> so so that's what Devontae Adams did. But um, like Jake mentioned, the comparison that he got was Rondell Moore, who, like Jake said, he's going to have a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's not a bad quarterback, but with Rondell Moore, he had to basically catch like a seven-yard pass and then take it 70 yards to the house. Mm-hmm. Calvin Austin can get 40 yards downfield. Rodgers can throw him a bomb. He can be behind the defense when the ball touches his hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would. I really think he would be a match made in heaven. I really do. Um, and Michael and Thomas. he's a guy we could get a little bit later in the draft. Um, you could get him a little bit later in the draft. He doesn't have to be a day one starter. He can just play 60% of snaps or 55% of snaps. He doesn't have to play every single play to be a threat. Yeah, he he could just make a couple chunk plays during that game, and that could be a yeah. difference. So if we get into the middle to late rounds, and Calvin Austin's available, and you know the Packers say their fourth round compensatory pick that comes to the end of the fourth round, and Calvin Austin is there, like he might be a guy to grab, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, who's Calvin Austin? He's ranked twenty on people's lists." Calvin Austin had the number thirteen highest RAS score at nine point zero five. So he's, he's that combination, the speed, the agility, the quickness, and a little bit of size. I mean, he's <laughs> he's really a little bit of size. He's 5'9". But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you can lose track of him because he's fast, he's quick, and he's small. Mm-hmm. You might lose track of him. But like I said, you get into the mid to late rounds, and he's available. He doesn't have to be on the field every single play to be a threat. Agreed. He's, he's a, let me give you an example. Let's say it's second and one from your own 40-yard line. That's that second and short. That's the perfect time to take a deep shot. Mm-hmm. So you bring him second and one, and you say, hey, run to the end zone as fast as you can. If, if you're open, Rodgers will throw it to you. That that I mean, you only need five or six plays a game to take that chance. And he's a guy that, t- that moves the safeties back. Takes the top off the defense. Obviously, we missed that when MVS missed the game against the 49ers in the playoffs because they were really able just to play shell and just keep everything in front. That's what made, you know, targeting Devontae Adams. We've seen Rodgers hyper-target Devontae Adams, and it worked. We had somebody taking the top off the defense. We didn't have that in that 49ers game. So, I know I see a comment down there by James. You know, you don't have to be a speedster, but speed is a necessity in the NFL. Right. You can't teach it. You have to to be either – speedy or quick so like i said Devonte adams wasn't overly fast but Devonte adams could move his body in three different directions in less than a second Devonte is a tremendous tremendous athlete 
That's that's the difference between being fast. I mean, he's yeah. a tremendous athlete, outstanding body control. So, yeah. Devontae is just – he's Devontae. It's going to be tough to replace him. But, like I said, we yeah. got to do it by committee. Steve, backing up my, my point about the RAS score, he's only 5'9 and still scored over 9 on a combination of size and speed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Drake London, unfortunately, didn't have an RAS score because he was injured, so he didn't run the 40 yep. and stuff. But yep. um, He said he's going to work out at the Pro Day, though. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see a little bit more about him. But um, being able to stack up, like, higher than Chris Olave, for example, or higher than Garrett Wilson, both, that's, you know, that says stuff about him. Both are very good receivers. Yes. Uh, my number 14 is Tyler's favorite player. Alex Pierce. Um, I got it's some good Alec, tidbits. Not Alex. Get it right. Oh, Alex. Alex, sorry. When he plays for the Packers, you can apologize to him. I will. I will. If he plays for Dallas, then he stays Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I remember that happened, and I say that specifically because we fell in love with a receiver that we got in, like, the sixth round of every mock draft we did, which yeah. is Sonny Fajoko. And then he got drafted by the Cowboys, and we're just like, cool. Agreed. That sucked. I couldn't believe he went to Dallas. I was like, one of literally the literally any other team except for Dallas or the NFC North. Yeah, like you literally could have ended up on like the Jaguars. I could have been like, yeah, that's sick. <laughs> you know dude, what I mean? Like you could have ended up on the on the Commanders, and I'd be like, yeah, dude, like go crazy. Yeah. All right. So Alec Pierce. Sorry, I have it written down right too. I just still said Alex. Man, what's wrong with me? Um, this guy could deadlift 675 pounds. He has a 40-inch vertical, and he's 4-4 speed. On top of that, he's six foot three. So like I said, this guy is just an athletic specimen. Um, he's a very, very smooth athlete. I believe he's a good route runner, but when I saw him at the top of his routes, it looked like he was rounding him off a little bit. And I, something that I did, I don't know if you did, but with every guy I would watch a highlight video, obviously you're going to see crazy plays, right? I tried to look up bad highlight videos like drops like i would type in alec pierce drops in college and he had a, some concentration issues because he knows he's so athletic and he doesn't shy away from contact so instead of just looking the ball in he's looking up the field so that's something that doesn't really really concern me that's something that could be fixed but alec pierce he's athletic i'll tell you that if we took a if we took a flyer on him i would not at all be upset I'll tell you that right now i oh man i want him in the back of the second round so bad <laughs> like Jordy Nelson is like one of my favorite Packers. So finding a guy that reminds me of Jordy Nelson, like I want him bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My number 15. Um, this is a, a good, a good, well-rounded wide receiver. And it's Jalen Naylor. So okay. he's, he's six feet tall. He has good hands, good route running. He's good acceleration and speed. Um, He's a good – this is my my thing with him is that he's a good three-level threat. So you can move him around. You can use – like you, know, you can do the wide receiver screens. You can do slant routes. Or you can send him down the field. And he's got that good mix of being able to do multiple things. So if you spend two picks early, like let's say – let's say the Packers grabbed Drake London and say a Sky Moore and they have a, a tall, big receiver – and a smaller, faster receiver, and they wanted to round it up, and they wanted to round it out a little bit with a guy who just kind of an all-around guy. Um, Jalen Naylor, I think, is a guy that could fit that role. 
and he did score an 8.02 on the RAS scores. Let's take a time out real quick before I get my 15. I'm going to answer that. Um, I do think that people are overreacting to it. Um, The last, obviously everybody knows the stat now. There's a stat out there that the last first-round wide receiver is Javon Walker. The guy was good when he was here. He left. He was not very good. So, like I said, being a first-round receiver doesn't guarantee you being good. You were playing with Hall of Famers when you are in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, second round has really been the round. If you go and look back at all the drafts, second round has been the round that the Packers hit, to be completely yeah. honest with you. I mean, lately they've been hitting us the first-rounders. I mean, Gary, uh, Jair, Stokes oh, looks like he's going to yeah. be. But – <sighs> I don't think that you need to draft a wide receiver. You don't need to. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to happen. Would I love it? Absolutely. Would I love back-to-back? Absolutely. It would make me rest a little bit easier knowing that we spent draft capital that we earned addressing, uh, addressing a need. Right. Yeah. And and that's to the, the last point that you're making. Goot has never just sat and just let shit happen. Right? He's like, okay, this is a problem. Okay, let's see how we can fix it. And he talked about how he's going to be in every trade scenario. He's going to be in everybody's ear. He's going to try to be in every every single trade. And he's done that. He's kept his word. So for all the people over there that are just freaking out, we've addressed this how many times now? But all the people that are freaking out, you just need to relax. we got to have this draft first. There's a second wave of free agency. Like, it's going to happen. The other thing that people need to kind of take a step back and really get a big picture thing on is, like Jake said, with drafting with need, Stop bringing up previous drafts as if you're drafting for the exact same team that previous drafts were drafting for. That's not the case. I agree. The Packers last year didn't need to draft a wide receiver one. They had one. They needed a second cornerback. And they drafted it. So, you know, you look the year before, the Packers were looking to add some pass rushers. They added a safety. Like, Mm -hmm. they, you know, they address the needs as they come. So this year, the Packers are probably as set at defense as I can remember in recent memory, probably since the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. The Packers potentially, with with some good drafting this year, could potentially have a top five defense. Oh yeah, I mean that. Oh yeah, they they really could. Like, say Chris Barnes takes a giant step forward. Where's the hole on the Packers defense? Jaron Reed is helping keep pressure off of you know Kenny. You know, like, well, what what's next? You still got the two linebackers. You still got first team all pro in the middle. You still got the two safeties. We got three. You know, you take three headed monster into consideration at corner. Where do you rank ours? It's got to be top five. Got to be top two. It's got to be talking if, three. Talking three, three corners. If you're talking three corners, it's tough, man. I'd really have to sit down and look at every every teams. But dude, we got the best corner in the league. I still believe Jair is the best corner. The only one I think could be in contention for three is Denver. Okay. Pretty good, actually. Only one I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would would agree with that right now. I I might actually look into that. That's a good topic. I might look into that. Um, Let's get back to work here. Jimbo down there with the kick returner, punt returner, just gave away my number 15. Oh. Uh, Jones Jr., uh, this guy from Tennessee – He's the only player in college football, this is a crazy stat, with 800 receiving yards, 200-plus punt return yards, and over 600 kick return yards. This, yeah, this guy, 600 kick return, 200 punt return, and 800 receiving. That guy, that guy's a monster. Um, The only problem, 
I mean, he was stuck on USC for a while, transferred to Tennessee, had a really great year last year. The only problem with him is he's going to be 25 by the time the season starts. So he's a little old for a rookie, but say you get eight great years out of the guy, you know, you're not going to complain. You know, he's going to be a later pick anyways, but Jones Jr. on on special teams would be special. So the thing with this is, like, we're going in, I'm just going to say this, number 16 for me is Valus Jones Jr. Um, I have him as well. So, Jake, you mentioned that he's he's a little bit older. So Mm -hmm. he's coming in, you're coming into the end of Aaron Rodgers' career. Mm -hmm. An older guy, like, that doesn't really concern me that much. Um, And, you know, even in a... A different take a different perspective at it say what if his you know his older age than some of the younger guys means that he's more mature he's more willing to learn he's willing to 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 get into um i don't know who the, the packers wide receivers coach name off the top of my head um to to sit with him after practice every single day and say what do i need to do to get better so you know with that age is potentially maturity so that doesn't really scare me away Jake mentioned his re- his receiving or not receiving his returning yards. He was actually the SEC lead returner. He led the SEC yep. in return yards. Yep. The SEC is is the conference when it comes to college football. It's the king, no debate. We're Wisconsin, but no debate. Uh, so yeah, Valus Jones Jr. So with him, so a, a couple of things stood out to me with him. First of all, he's really great after the catch, which is obviously mm-hmm. something you need. Um, mm-hmm. Something I'd like to see the Packers have as a good yards after the catch guy. Um, he had the 12th highest RAS score out of the draft class, 9.07. Wow. Um, this is it's this is an intangible. So this is something that stood out to me by watching his highlights. He treats every single first down like he's running a two-minute drill. Yeah. This is something you like. It won't come out in a scouting report, but he he treats every single first down like a two minute drill. Every single time he made a catch, he like the ball goes immediately to the ref, or he's running it to the middle of the field. When he scores touchdowns, that's when he celebrates. That's something you can take in consideration with his age. He might be more mature coming in. That's that's why I'm saying that. Like his, you know, age could bring potential maturity. That's mm-hmm. it's seriously. It struck me enough to write it down and make a note of it. That when he when he makes plays and catches, he goes and gets the ball to the referee, or to you know to the middle of the field to be set. Mm-hmm. Every single play, it didn't matter what what the score was, how much time was left, what quarter. He treated every single catch like it was a two minute drill. So that honest, like I said, it impressed me enough to the point that I wrote it down to make a note of it. Um, so, Bayless Jones Jr. was my number sixteen. Okay, my number 16 is a guy that played for Kentucky, who was pretty good last year, actually. Um, And he transferred there from Nebraska. Uh, His name is Wondell Robinson. Um, He's a former running back. Last year, he switched to be a full-time wide receiver. So he's kind of a dual-threat guy. This is also a guy that I thought of in the jet sweep. He knows how to run. He knows how to read blocking. He knows how to set that up. But then also he has the the wide receiver. He needs to polish up on the the route running because he only has one year as a full-time starter. But... You know, he's a tough runner. Obviously, he has that running back background. You know, that's something that you just can't teach. You keep turning your legs. And he ran a 4-4-4. So he's not overly fast, but he has great acceleration. He gets up to top speed super fast. 
Wondell Robinson is a very intriguing guy in the offense where we kind of missed the jet sweep a little bit last year, I think. I don't think we utilized it as much as we should have. So, but... I'm going to give you just a real quick spoiler alert because I don't have him in my top 20. Oh. But when I was looking him up, what mm-hmm. I did write down is that he could be a potential pre-snap motion guy like we used to use Tyler Irvin. Okay, see, that's that's exactly what I was saying. He's And if we hand the ball to him, he, he runs tough. All right. Do you have anything yeah. else you want to add there? Uh, no, I just wanted to reply to James' comment. Yeah, we mm-hmm. just talked about that a couple weeks ago. That was against the Vikings on Monday night. I remember that. See, that's where maturity, you take that in consideration. That's that's a big thing. One of the reasons I made note of it. Mm-hmm. You, okay. 117. Um, I want to address Steve. He mentioned he doesn't know much about Bayless Jones, but he hears he lacks polish. Um, so, I mean, he's got – Good size and speed. He's combination of size and speed, because um, he did score that 907 on the RAS. Um, I mean, he's pretty well rounded all over. He's he's six feet tall, so he's not overly huge. So I mean, you're not you know throwing fades to him for a 50 50 ball in the corner of the end zone, but um, he could be you know a really a really well rounded guy. He's fast. He's agile, and he can be a potentially really helpful guy on special teams. Yeah, he would be, if nothing else, he would be awesome on special teams. If nothing yeah. else. Use honestly. him as a gunner or as a returner. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. Um, okay. And we're going to have, you know, Hill's going to be out for a while because he tore his ACL, what, week eight? Same as Tanyan. So, you know, that could be an opportunity where, you know, was that Hill the same just. Game? It was. Because <laughs> Hill, yeah, well, I mean, it was awesome how it ended. I, I know, it ended well, but. But Hill kind of did to himself. He took out the kick when he shouldn't have, and he got hit at like the eight-yard line, and that's how he tore it because the guy hit him all weird. And then Tanya, I remember, got a huge catch and was running from right to left, and he kind of just just stuck his leg. And Yeah. Um, My number 17 is a guy that you had a lot higher. His name is Justin Ross out of Clemson. Um, This guy has all the tools. He has a crazy catch radius. Did you know your number 16? Oh, shit. Oh my God! I'm going ahead. I'm sorry. I was spoiler so alert. Spoiler <laughs> Jake's alert. Number seventeen is Justin Ross. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I did. Wendell Robinson is my number oh, sixteen. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. You can do. You can go first for the rest of them then. <laughs> okay. Seventeen. Justin Ross here. Um, it's all good, buddy. Um, he has a crazy catch radius. He's six four. He's super super long. Um, played at Clemson. That's a pretty good college to go to. They pump out a lot of NFL talent at wide receiver, especially. But. The thing I didn't like and the reason he's so low on my list is he's so inconsistent. He's so boomer bust. Um, he has all the tools. He has the speed. He, you know, he can run all the routes. He's ran he ran in the slot. He ran outside. But I just got done arguing for the last three years about a guy who's so inconsistent. And I stuck up for him. You know, I'm talking about MVS. I mean, I'm not gonna hide from it. I, I'm an MVS guy. I'm a little sad that he left. So I don't want three more years of fighting for a guy that one game can have three catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns, and next week he has zero catches because he doesn't know how to get any separation. You know, um, but Justin Ross, he he has the potential to be good, but I'm not hanging my hat on it because I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number 17, I have another big guy. It's Tyquan Thornton. So I've heard a lot of things about him because um, – he almost broke John Ross's record. So this could be a, this is another one of those guys who could be the fastest player in the draft. He mm. ran a 4.2840 at 6.3. Mm. So 
So that combined for an 8.54 RAS score. He's got good hands. Jake's brought up a lot of guys that aren't afraid of contact. Tyquan Thornton is one of those guys who's not afraid of contact. Goes with yards after the catch. He gets good separation. He can make contested catches. The only thing with him is he needs to bulk up a little bit, needs to build some muscle, and he's not the best route runner. Yeah. Oh, he is Thornton a little higher. I don't even have Thornton on my list, to be honest with you. All right, um, that's fair. My next guy is Romeo Dubs. Uh, Tyler talked about him. I love his name, man. I mean, throw it to Dubs, baby. I mean, that's a sick name. That's awesome. Um, he has some special teams experience. Tyler elaborated on him before. He's yep. a great deep threat, great hands. He's great in one-on-ones. Um, I really like him. Uh, I don't know why he's this low on my list. I just didn't love him as much as the other guys, I guess. But he is a good player. He ran a 4-5, which is not super fast. But I would love to hear... Rogers the Dubs. That would be pretty sick. Not going to lie. <laughs> uh, my number 18, I have Eric Ezukama. Okay. Got a cool name, but it's a little harder to pronounce. But uh, I would never be able to pronounce that. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, hey, that's, where, that's where me becoming a pronunciation guy came from. was from the draft last year. I remember. All right. So he's 6'2". He can make good contested catches. He's really good at making the over-the-shoulder catch which is mm-hmm. something that could be really valuable to Packers, especially with, with the way that Rodgers can drop the ball into the places where only his receivers can catch it. Um, that's actually something that Chris Olave is really good at too, is making those over-the-shoulder catches and tracking the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys that's got the quick twitch speed, and he can take the top off the defense with his speed, um, and he's good with yards after the catch. Um, just not He's just not as flashy as some of the other guys in the draft, but I have Eric Izukama at number 18 on my list. All right, number 19, and this is where uh, we started getting in uh, 3, 4 in the morning. <laughs> so <laughs> here we go. Um, I have Reggie Robinson Jr. from, from uh, SMU, okay. um, six foot, 200 pounds. The thing I don't like, which is a huge red flag, is he has back-to-back ACL injuries. It's mm. not great to hear. But he has the talent to produce. He has every other tool. If he – and. The biggest if, if is the biggest two-letter word in sports and in the world, right? If he stays healthy, he could be a guy that could produce. Um, he's a deep threat. He's an above-average route runner, and he could play inside or outside. Um, he could take on linebackers. He could take on safeties. He's one-on-one with corners. He's a good player, just ACL injuries have been holding him back. Yeah, Jimbo said that uh, Romeo Dubs is in his mock drafts with Carson Strong. Carson Strong, he's... He's potentially like a second or third round pick for a team that's that's considering drafting a quarterback but doesn't mm-hmm. have to. Like Atlanta, if Atlanta were to say, you know, somebody that could have gone top five falls to their number eight pick, say they trade it to the Packers and the Packers do it to grab Garrett Wilson, you know, they could they could potentially use Carson Strong later in the draft and maybe they pair him with Romeo Dubs. Um, you know, that's something, you know, Did, we're, we're helping out the Falcons. Carson Strong has a really good arm, I'm just going to yeah, say. A little underrated on the arm strength, I think. I think he could be a good quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah, here we are helping out the Falcons. James probably doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number 19 is one of Jake's guys that he had a lot higher. Is Jalen Tolbert. Um, for me, it was it was the, the hands and the blocking that made me move him down because um, hands is my number one criteria. I'm looking for guys with good hands because I want guys on the Packers that Rodgers can trust. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest thing with wide receivers is I want guys Rodgers can trust. Um, that makes sense. With with Jalen Tolbert, he can use his footwork and his hand fighting to get open, so he can get open in multiple ways. Um, four four nine forty at six one, he's a good route runner. So I do think Jalen Tolbert could be a solid option for the Packers. He's my number nineteen. Now I want people to understand we're not saying that all these guys are going in the first round. By the way, no, you know, especially when we start getting down, you know, into the teens and the the twelve and eleven. We're just saying that these are guys that could fit, you know, with Rodgers yeah. in the Packers offense. Yeah. So, with that being said, my number 20 is a guy from Rutgers, actually, Bo Melton. Oh, um, look at that. Yeah. Right. I, at the, You know, just like I had a fight for my number one, I was like, who the heck is number 20? Who's the 20th best receiver in my mind? And Bo Melton, he's a good route runner. He's super quick. Uh, he's not super fast, but he's super quick. And he could be kind of uh, – you know, like a gadget guy in this Packers offense. Use them on wide receiver screens. Just run, just just throw little drag routes at him. Throw little slant routes at him. He's just a guy that can use in a bunch of different ways. I mean, he ran four three, so it's not like he's super slow. But to me, he's more quick than fast. So I I had two guys that were like almost the exact same, and I ended up just writing them both down. Bo Melton is one of them. Um, <laughs> Jake mentioned his speed. He's really good at high pointing the ball. Yeah. So despite being 5'11", he's really good at going up to get the ball at its highest point and making contested catches. Um, that is a good route runner, and he had the 10th highest RAS score in this draft class, 9.22 on the RAS. So definitely huh. something, um, something the Packers are probably keeping in their mind because the Packers like to draft guys with the high RAS scores. Um, the guy that I put right next to him is Danny Gray. Um Six feet tall, makes good contested catches. He ran a 4-3-3, 40-yard dash as well. Good with yards after the catch, and he's a good route runner. To me, those two are almost exactly the same. Danny Gray is just an inch taller. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, whichever one of those two you wanted to get later on, um, you could interchange them at, at number 20 or 21. Yeah, I mean, or both guys you mentioned, more. they're not super long. They don't have great catch radius. They're just – they're 20th best receiver in the draft, and that's nothing bad. You know, depth is always good, so you can always draft those guys. And those two, with being as fast as they are, put them on punt return coverage. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jesus, I don't even want to talk about special teams anymore. There's so, there's in, but... so many fast guys that if the Packers just randomly drafted, like Isaiah Weston from um, – oh, where is he from? Um, Dang it, where is he from? Oh, it's going to bother me. Oh, no. You want me to look it up? Sure, look it up. See if I can figure it out before you look it up. All right, I'm going. It's like a purple and yellow school. Purple and yellow? Is it a Carolina? Is it? I don't know. Coastal Carolina is like like a weird blue because I have a Coastal Carolina guy when we get into tight ends. Yeah, me too, in the tight ends, yeah. Uh, Yeah, oh, Northern Iowa. It is purple and yellow, yeah. I could picture him. I just couldn't think of what the school was. (laughs) Um, he had the fifth highest RAS score, nine point six one. So, I mean, if the Packers draft a guy late just for, just for using a punt return, that's that's something that um, Rich Bisaccia will be in the he'll be in the war room and say, hey, like, if, if we're kind of mulling around a few guys, can I jump in and make this pick for a guy that I can use? Yeah, and you know, 
you're not you're not dealing with Maurice Drayton, who's been a, an assistant all his life. You're dealing with a guy who's done this job, and he's going to want to go and get some of his guys that they did with this the cornerback that they brought in from the Raiders. Not a coincidence that he followed Basaccia from the Raiders. I mean, he's been a head coach, so he knows what it takes to right. you know have a set of balls and say your piece. That's what I, that's honestly what I loved about the hire the most. Steve with with Lavisca, I don't think you even have to include Amari Rodgers on a late pick. You can probably just send a late pick for Lavisca Chenault because, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't boomed, but he hasn't busted either. And with them bringing in a bunch of other pass catchers, I mean, I don't think you need to give up much more than like a fifth rounder for Lavisca Chenault. And if they're asking for anything higher than that, I would just say no. Well. I'm kind of torn on LaVisca. I feel like the Jags are trying to put as much pieces around. Um, who am I? I'm blanking on the quarterback. Trevor oh Lawrence? God. Yeah, I'm thinking so much about freaking draft prospects. Like <laughs> I, NFL know. I know. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think they're just trying to put as much as they can around him because you invested a first-round pick, and they've never really had a, a franchise quarterback, so they're trying to make one. I don't know if <sighs> LaVisca might come at a high price. You might need to include a player in a pick. I like know. I said, anything higher than like a fifth rounder, like, yeah, it's just, just no thanks. I would just rather take the take the chance I agree on the with guys in the draft. And if you're getting into fourth round pick territory, like I'd be calling Seattle and asking what they want for Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean, a little older, but definitely way more productive. Definitely, <laughs> and definitely still got some value and still got some gas in the tank. Agreed. All right. All right. Those are the wide receivers. Do it. <laughs> I, I feel like I, we ran through that so fast, and like it was an hour. Mark Brunette, don't you dare, Dad! You just call him a franchise quarterback. I said they never had a. Fr- he says Mark Brunell. Oh my god, I'm disappointed right now. Let's move on to tight end. I'm just kidding. I love you, Dad. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Mark Brunel. You can say it back to him. He knows. <laughs> All right, I went first on the wide receivers, so you can go first on the tight ends, although I do know that we have the same one, number one. Yeah, there is only one option for number one. His name is Trey McBride. Um, yeah. This this guy is good. He's yeah. If they if they used a second-round pick on him, I would be happy yep. because he would sure bit. up that tight end position. Yep. Um, he's a true matchup problem from the tight end position. Dude, he's and, such a matchup problem. Yeah. They knew everybody knew he was getting the ball, right? Yep. I was I looked up their roster. I don't even know anybody. I couldn't find anybody else on that damn roster in the in the draft. And he had ninety catches for eleven hundred yards. He only had one touchdown, but ninety catches from the tight end position is crazy. Um and you know he'll he'll he's gonna be a star at the next level. He that's, he lines up Travis with the slot. type numbers. Yeah. Uh <laughs> look at Jimbo. Hey, be nice, it's my dad. Um, he lined up in the slot. He lined up outside. He lined up in line. He lined up at H-back. I mean, this guy was everywhere, all over the football field. And he runs every route. He goes deep, intermediate. He controls the middle of the field. I've been begging for a tight end to control the middle of the field. I know Tanyan is pretty good. Just Rodgers just doesn't target him enough, I believe. But we'll have to see. He's only on a one-year deal. That's why we're so interested in tight ends this year. But Trey McBride, he's a good player. Ran 4-5, by the way, at 6-4. Yeah, 6-4, which is nice. Um Steve said a redundant skill set with Amari and Linda Visca. I mean, it's really just putting more cooks in the kitchen to, to try to turn out a better recipe, basically. I was told it off the top of my head that I just thought of that. But, I mean, you're really just trying to bring in as much talent to the wide receiver room as you can um, and just sifting it and see what shakes out. 
Um, you know, the competition could be healthy for him. Maybe the Packers end up with two good slot receivers two years from now. Yeah. I mean, LaVisca is only going to be entering his third year in the league. So if, you know, if they go that route with trading for a younger guy, you know, that's, that's an option to potentially keep both of them. Um, Randall Cobb could very easily just up and retire next year. So, um, you know, that would leave you pretty thin at slot receiver. Jake and I said this when we took our, our look at the positions of need um, and the positions that we were going to dive into, and it's the reason we're looking at tight ends and in the future that we're looking at safeties is because you want to have these guys on your team learning and acclimating before it's a need. That's how you get good, and that's how you stay good is by getting guys that you need. Um, <laughs> look at my dad. <laughs> I'm, no. I'm not going to worry about it because, like, there's scenarios where Rodgers could retire in two years or seven years. But um, I, I see both scenarios as possible. I'm not begging for Mark Brunel, okay? No. End of the story. I'll just miss Aaron Rodgers a little bit more. <laughs> All right. So my number one is also Trey McBride. Like Jake said, not really a, a big other answer. But um, the thing with, with him, he's got strong, good hands. He's a good blocker, too. So he's really that all-around, good-at-everything tight end. Um, Jake and I mm-hmm. mentioned he's a matchup problem. He's too fast for he linebackers, is. and if a, <laughs> if a defensive back makes the poor business decision of trying to tackle him, it's, you're going to leave the game with bumps and bruises. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's who I got number one. All right, my number two, Cade Otten out of Washington. Okay. Um he he's an inside out. He beats linebackers. Beat he was beating some corners in some one on one situations. Um, he only had twenty eight catches for two hundred fifty yards, so it didn't look like he was used a lot. But he's six five two fifteen. He also ran a four seven. Um, but Kate Kate is a he's a big body guy and he can win one on one matchups. That's something that I like. And he was a willing blocker. And when you're looking at tight ends, blocking is much more important than mm-hmm. wide receiver. Right. All right, so my number three, or my almost jumped ahead there. I almost pulled a Jake. My number two <laughs> is a guy that I really like, one of my favorite tight ends in this draft, obviously, besides Trey McBride, is Greg Dulcich from UCLA. So he's 6'4". Greg Dulcich actually reminds me a lot of Robert Tunyon. He's got okay. a good block. He's got good hands. Um, he's too strong for defensive backs, and he's too athletic for linebackers. So, you know, he's he's a he's a okay blocker. He needs work on blocking, but... Um, for a guy like that, he would be a good, potentially well-rounded tight end. So I'm looking at Greg Dulcich at my number two. All right. I have him a little bit lower on my list, but I do have Dulcich on my list. Um, my number three is Coastal Carolina, baby. Isaiah Likely. Number three? Um, All right. He's 6'4", 241, ran a 4'8". Um, he's a good run blocker, and he's very athletic. Um, he yeah. can stretch the field down the middle. And he may, and you were talking about over-the-shoulder catches but. With wide receivers, this guy was catching all of them like this, and I was like, "Oh my God, can you imagine that in Green Bay down the middle of the G, baby?" Rogers lost one over the middle. That would be sick. Um, he had 59 catches and 12 or touchdowns. This guy's a touchdown machine. <laughs> that's, another, that's another one in five guy. Yeah, dude, touchdown machine. I mean, Isaiah. I mean, Coastal Carolina. So he didn't play against the best competition, but he dominated the competition. When we had Andy Herman on our show, damn, that was. What's almost like six weeks ago? It was at the end of February. Um, we picked a couple positions and tight end. We picked one guy each for a guy that we want to look out for. Isaiah Likely was my guy that I picked for that position. Um, 
My number three, that being said, is Cade Otten. Um, Jake already okay. mentioned he's 6'5". He's a good route runner. He's actually the highest graded tight end on the NFL.com prospect list. Oh, wow. Um, so basically basically guy. they have him graded as NFL ready um, on the NFL.com. He's really good at make, making adjustments. Um, and like mm-hmm. Jake said, he's a willing blocker. What I've seen is that uh, he's not the best blocker, but that he's willing to get better. And that's, I mean, you know, when we talk about we talk about sports, a lot of times things we talk about is something you can't fault effort. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who wants to put in the effort. So I have him number three. Not a bad spot for me. He's going to be, I think he's a day one starter, in my opinion. Um, this guy that I'm going to name next is not a day one starter, but he definitely could add depth. Um, I was really high on him early. It's Jalen Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M. I have him at number four. Um, he ran a five-second 40, which is crazy because when I watched him, he looked faster than a five-second 40. He plays a lot faster than his 40 time. He's not a great blocker, but if you're looking for a guy that's going to catch some passes, this is the guy. Uh, he works that short and intermediate pass very well, um, controls the middle of the field. Like I said, that's something that's really big for me, and he's really, really good in the red zone. You can split him out like a wide receiver and just let him do his thing. So I, I have Weidermeyer on my list, just a little bit lower, but you just read basically like my whole line of notes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You got him higher. You could talk about him more. Uh, my number four is Isaiah Likely. He's one of the guys that I actually really, really like for this draft. When Jake talks about guys that can control the middle of the field and can do things athletically from the tight end position, a guy that Jake has always liked is Jermichael Finley. That's yeah. who Isaiah Likely reminds me of. He reminds me of Jermichael Finley. Um. 6'4", Jake already mentioned the 12 touchdowns. He's fast, he's strong, works good on um, great route runner. And you know, I, like I said, I, I can't really complain about him too much, but the, the Coastal Carolina thing, you know, he wasn't doing this out of Alabama or something like that. But that being said, he looks really good. He seems mature. I watched an interview of his. He seems like a really mature, uh, a mature person, which is always good too because that's mm-hmm. going to help develop develop trust and chemistry with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. All right. I had to figure out where to put him on the list. But number five is Jake Ferguson. Um, all right. We all know him, Wisconsin fans, 6'5", 244. He ran a 4 um, He obviously is a willing blocker playing in Wisconsin. Um, but he didn't have the greatest technique with blocking, which is something that could be fixed. But he's tough. Man, I mean, like I said before, playing in the Big Ten, especially a tight end position, you're a guy, you're going to go over the middle, you're going to get whacked, and you're going to have to try to run through all that. He did that. And in my opinion, he might have the best hands of all the tight ends in this draft. Those ba- Bro, he Velcros those babies. And obviously we know, I mean, he went from, what do we have, Hornibrook, Jake, or Jack Cohn, and uh, Mertz as his quarterbacks. Not exactly, you know, the greatest quarterbacks in the history of college football throwing to him, and he still produced in a run-heavy offense. So Jake Ferguson is my number five. If he ended up in green and gold, he'd be great. I He's another guy that I love in the like the compensatory pick, like the mm-hmm. very late fourth round. If he fell to the Packers in the fifth round and the clock started on the Packers pick, like mm-hmm. it would be the clock started, the pick is in. Like if Jake Ferguson falls to the pick round, the fifth round, he's a no-brainer. Oh um, yeah, easily. I'll I'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, my number five is Jelani Woods. So Jelani Woods from Virginia, he had the highest RAS score from tight ends at a nine point nine seven. Those scores are out of ten. 
So yeah. it's Lonnie Woods. He's he's six foot seven. Mm-hmm. He is massive. Um, he's big. He's strong. He can get yards after the catch. Like the first tackler never brings him down. No. Um, you can line him up on the outside of the formation too. So you can line him up as a wide receiver if you want to. So for for that being a, a potentially valuable in the Packers offense, is Rodgers likes to make a lot of pre-snap adjustments. So mm-hmm. if you have a tight end lined up on the end of the, the offensive line and you see you see the defense has an extra linebacker in and one less DB and you say, you know, you have Jelani Woods move to the outside and you get him one-on-one with a linebacker, you, you just throw up a jump ball and Jelani Woods is coming down with it. I agree. <laughs> so that's why I have it number five. Um, so this guy, I wrote next to him, I was watching his tape. And I was like, this guy looks like a Green Bay Packer, in my opinion. And his name is Cole Turner. He's out of Nevada. Okay. Um, he's 6'6", 246. He ran a 4'7", 40. Uh, he's just he's massive. He's a big human being. I have, I have Jelani on mine. He's just a couple more. we got to wait a little bit. I have an interesting number on him, <laughs> by the way. But Cole Turner is a red zone mismatch. Um, he's another guy, like you just said, you throw him on the outside and you just, you just let, it, let him do his thing. Um, he's definitely going to be a mismatch on smaller safeties and corners, so teams are going to have to, you know, game plan for that. But yeah, he to me, I don't know why, but when I was watching him, I was like, I could, I can see this guy in a Packers helmet for some reason. I have him on my list too. I'll I'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, my number six is actually a guy that the Packers have met with, and it's Daniel Bellinger. Um, he's six five. He's he's not quick, but he's got strong hands. He's a good blocker, a good route runner. I scored a 9.5 on the RAS score. So he's actually number two um, on the RAS scores. So the Packers did meet with him. So he's got that good combination of a well-rounded tight end. It's just if he can get a little bit faster, that would only benefit him. Um, Steve said Jelani Woods is a perfect replacement for Big Dog. That's that's a solid comparison. Um, Courtney says hi. Hi. <laughs> um, that's a solid comparison for, for Mercedes Lewis to, to Jelani Woods. And that would be... Any tight end that the Packers draft is going to have the benefit of one of the best tight ends that's, I mean, one of the most underrated tight ends that's going to go in NFL history because he's not, you know, he's not putting up the flashy numbers, you know, say of a Travis Kelsey. But Mercedes Lewis is probably one of the most respected players in the entire NFL. And you're going to get the benefit of basically having a player coach alongside of you in Mercedes mm-hmm. Lewis. Mm-hmm. So any tight end of the Packers draft is going to get the benefit of having Mercedes Lewis teaching them the ropes. I agree. Um, my number seven is Greg Dulcich. Uh, you already touched on him. Uh, he ran a four six, so he's a big play guy. Uh, he really liked the linebacker mismatches when you line up in in the slaughter in line, and he works that ten twenty yard area just beautifully. He's just he'd be a good guy to control the seams, in my opinion. All right, my number seven is the University of Wisconsin guys. Um, it's Dan, it's I almost said Daniel Bellinger. That's my number six. Jake Ferguson is my number seven. Six five, great hands. He's got decent speed, makes great adjustments on the ball. Jake mentioned the quarterbacks that he's got, you know, had to go through. Um, so he makes great adjustments. The only things for him at the next level would be just to get a little bit faster and a little bit stronger, and mm-hmm. that's you know NFL conditioning. So. You get him into the early training camps, and you get him going. Agreed. Uh, my number eight is Jelani Woods. 
Six seven. Um, he only has one year of really really high production, um, and he doesn't have a a great route tree, but he's a really really intriguing athlete. He ran a four six one. Um, interesting stat on him. That's the fastest forty on a guy who's six seven or taller from the tight end position since two thousand and three. So this guy is an athlete. He's not just big. He's he's fast too, and you know he's a good blocker. He's a willing blocker. He's a good player. He he. <laughs> Man, that big dog comment got me thinking. Like, I kind of want him now. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a good comparison. It really is. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that helps that helps Packers fans identify is by reminding them of former Packers. So, you know, that's part of the reason I fell in love with Alec Pierce. Jordy Nelson was one of my favorite Packers. He, Alec Pierce reminds me so much of Jordy Nelson. Now I want him on the team. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, my number eight is a guy who hasn't been mentioned yet. It's Charlie Kohler. He's six foot six. He's got great hands. And he does not shy away from contact. He's he would be a guy who's not flashy, but he gets done. He gets the job done. That's that's what Charlie Kohler is for me. He's a guy that gets the job done. Yep. My number nine is Derek Deese Jr. out of San Jose State. Um, he's a former wide receiver and he runs like a wide receiver. He runs super super well. Um, he doesn't lumber down the field. He runs good good crisp routes. But he's not a willing blocker as he was a former wide receiver, so he's going to have to get used to that physicality at the next level. All right, my number nine is a guy that Jake already mentioned. I'm not as high on him as Jake is, but it's Jalen Weidermeyer. Um, like I said, Jake pretty much read down my whole notes. Um, he's 6'4", he's strong, he handles the middle of the field, and he's good in the red zone. So, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't love the idea of spending a third-round pick or sooner on Jalen Weidermeyer, and that's kind of where he's projecting to go. Um, mm-hmm. That's 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 why I have him a little bit lower on my list because I just don't think at, at that price that I'm in love with that for the Packers when they can get other pieces at those picks. I understand. Uh, my number 10 is a guy you just mentioned, Charlie, Charlie Kohler, and I pretty much have the same thing. He's not a great athlete, but he literally catches everything. So if you're looking for a guy that you're going to throw him the ball and you're like, it's going to be caught, that's your guy. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> he's big, 6'6". Um, six, six. He brought up a good point with Bellinger. He's a good athlete. Like I mentioned, he's number. He's the second highest RAS score for tight ends, um, and he's not 22 until September, so he's young. Um, that's big. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be in a, a situation where that, that age does start to factor into some of the, the decisions that the Packers make. I am one of the people that does not think the Packers should trade Jordan Love. So you're getting into a position where if Rodgers retires in two years when he has that out in his contract, that you're going to want to have some guys you can develop with Jordan Love, not that Rodgers retires and everybody's gone and then you have to completely start a rebuild. If you start thinking about stuff like that now, which I guarantee Gutekunst is doing, start thinking about that stuff now, you can shorten the length of your rebuild. You don't have to rebuild for five freaking years or however long the Lions have been rebuilding. It feels like, I don't know, solid 20 years. Our entire lives. <laughs> right? So if you can you know, start thinking about younger guys that could potentially grow in these two years when you know Rodgers potentially hangs it up or if he keeps playing. <sighs> whether they're growing alongside Rodgers and then continuing with him or growing alongside Rodgers and then moving into working with Jordan Love. Like Jake was just saying about Trevor Lawrence, that they're trying to surround him with as many pieces as possible. Why would the Packers not do the same with Jordan Love? That being said, my last guy, number 10, is a Jake guy. Uh, guy Jake already mentioned it's Cole Turner. 
six foot six. He makes contested catches. Um, Jake already mentioned the red zone. He uses his size in the red zone. It it seemed like literally every single time he had a defensive back lined up against him in the red zone, it was a post fade to the corner, and it was a touchdown every single time. He was just mossing everybody every single time. Every yeah. single time. Um, he makes good contested catches. Um, he makes good adjustments to the ball. He's another guy that can go and high point the ball mm-hmm. and get the ball at the highest point where nobody else can grab it. Um, and you can line him up outside too. So he's another guy that, you know, if, if Rogers identifies something before the snap, he can split him out wide mm-hmm. and create a mismatch that way. So um, that's my number 10. So an hour and 25 minutes talking about two positions. If you don't think Jake and I do our research, I assure you we do. Man, I'm going to have bags under my eyes for the next month. <laughs> I, Like I said, I challenged myself to 10 sources for each position, and I did that. I had 10 sources for, for wide receivers and 10 sources for tight ends, and I will continue to challenge myself to that. For um, Next week we're going to be talking about the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Which is also so, a hot topic, man. I mean, we gotta we gotta rebuild depth. We gotta get another right tackle. I and mean, that's gonna and be... that's something too, where like we we opened the show talking about it, about people saying, oh, the Packers aren't gonna draft two wide receivers, or Olave and Drake London aren't gonna fall to twenty two. If they don't, a guy like Trevor Penning might. Yeah. So if if you know five wide receivers get taken in the top twenty, somebody's gonna fall to the Packers. Maybe it's Deontay Wyatt from Georgia, a defensive lineman who we're gonna talk about. That'll be that'll be the Wednesday, the day before the draft. Mm-hmm. So twentieth, yeah, the twenty. No, that'll be the twenty seventh. Oh yeah, yeah, twentieth yeah, yeah. is going to be linebackers. I thought, yeah, I thought you meant. Uh, so yeah, right. we have we have it posted up on the page every week. We're going to do a set of a set of positions. Um, we're calling it the Wisco Phonetics Draft Series. So today was episode one. Wide receivers and tight ends in the books. I have fun looking up these guys, man. And, you know, uh, my girlfriend would come in the room and she would see me. She's like, what are you doing? Watching highlight videos. <laughs> Watching <notes>. highlight videos. <laughs> That's it. That's what I was doing all week, man. I went to work. I came home. I watched more highlight videos. <laughs> I The last three days, I've been getting up at 20 after 4 in the morning, making myself breakfast and watching an hour and a half of highlights. And then yeah. and then reading NFL.com and looking at all the other all the other places that I got notes from, but yeah, and I I enjoy it because I I feel like I learn a lot more about the league as a whole by researching everybody that's coming in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, Simon, we're not doing episodes on quarterback rankings. No, and or running backs, or running backs. We're not doing cornerbacks. Yep. Um, we are going to do safeties though. We did we did address that. We, um, the comparison that I made was. The Packers are in a similar position with tight end that they are with safety. You want to draft the guy before you need him. Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage could both potentially be free agents. So that's something you want to address before it's a need that can shorten your time for rebuilds and it can, you know, it can kind of just continue um, keeping the train on the tracks. Well, I'll tell you, Steve, um, the reason that people dog Billy Turner is because he got his ass whooped against the Buccaneers. And then and the 49ers. And then last year, ah, this still doesn't make sense to me. Yash is playing so good all year. I mean, the first game, he needed help, obviously. It was his first game on the road against the 49ers. And then towards the end of the season, you know, Bakhtiari comes back, and then Yash just loses all his playing time. It doesn't make sense that they move Billy Turner over to left tackle. 
That makes zero sense to me. I was like, what? Why not just leave Billy over on the right and just leave the offensive line how it was? And it made no sense to me. I mean, Billy Turner, I mean, thanks for your time, but I never, I was never high on him. I just never thought he, he was that He good. was very helpful in the regular season. Obviously, the Packers needed their depth with the guys getting hurt, but the the back-to-back playoff games where he just got absolutely destroyed, that was that was enough for me to want to cut him and not try to restructure him. I concur. Uh, Simon asked about punters. I, we uh, we got asked by a, about a punter last week, and I figured um, maybe next week we put that with the offensive line, um, the offensive line targets. Just Matt Areza from what San Diego State, I think he's from Arizona State. Arizona State. So he was he was a punter. We got asked Boy. about. He's. I don't think the Packers need to draft a punter. They signed a punter. Um, I'm not terribly concerned. I'm not gonna go. I'm not going to go 10 sources deep and watch highlight videos for punters like I did with wide receivers and tight ends. I'll tell you that. It was San Diego State. I was thinking about somebody else. Hey, right. look at me. You were right. You were right. I was thinking about somebody else. Anyways. Simon, I, I, I mentioned this too as a potential right tackle option. If the Packers go wide receiver, wide receiver first round and then go defensive line and inside linebacker in the second round, the Packers could just call up Dennis Kelly and say, hey, you want to come back to the Packers? And roll I mean, with Dennis Kelly. I trust Goot, you know. He, he knows what he's doing. Kickers, crazy. I mean, they kept that. Uh... There's two kickers on the practice squad, so there's technically yeah. three kickers on the roster right now. So for me, it's not something that's on the radar. With needing to rebuild no, special and... teams, I'm not worried about getting special lists. I really know how to not allow a lot of yards <laughs> or how to block so our kicker can kick right. the damn ball. Tyler Lancaster, I'm talking to you. I hate you. I think a lot of fans are not Kelly. Played all right first last year. He was all right. He came in the really uh, the great first time. In I think he came in against the Bears. Yeah, he, he came in against the Bears, if I remember correctly. And he, he played pretty good in that game, I thought. Um, sure, this is what and Dennis Kelly in 2020, he played all 16 games for the Titans and didn't allow a sack. So yeah. Dennis Kelly's got a I he's mean, got a pretty good track record. I mean, it makes it a little bit easier when everybody thinks you're going to give it to Henry every play. <laughs> Just say that. I um, guess. Yeah, and and Kansas City went and they they tagged the guy that they wanted to keep on the roster. Um, I agree. Billy Turner is not Orlando Brown. No, um, you know personally, I think that's part of the reason that. Uh, KC made the move they did with Hill is because they wanted to spend a little bit more dough up front. That's personally what I think. I don't know if it's true, but I think that's something that they're looking at. Um, and Jimbo, with with the the, um, the kickers that they have on the practice squad, they actually protected one of them all of last season. Um, so they, you know, they obviously want him on the roster and they want him to stick around. So they obviously feel a certain way about him to have him mm-hmm. protected on the practice squad all of last season. So. And they did bring another one in this offseason so far. So two guys in the practice squad, one they protected all of 2021. Yep. All right. Yeah. I'm ready to talk some uh some Bucks basketball, basketball here. Yeah, I'm ready for that. We got so we're with the Bucks, like we're good on the edges and not good in the middle. Yeah, uh, the Clippers game, uh, whatever. I, I had dude, such a I good see, feeling from the night um, before. I have four notes from the Clippers game, if I'm being honest with you. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, watched it. I watched it, and I had no notes. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it too. But I mean, like I said, I'm not worried about that game because I had such a good. F- the the game before was so much more important the for Nets our psyche. Game, oh my god, the Nets game was so good. The Mavs game, I'm a little upset about, to be honest with you. Yeah, that game was kind of annoying. But let's talk about the Nets game first because that's going to be the the second most fun one. Okay, are you ready? There's no more debate. Giannis is the best player in the league. It's over. It's it's completely over. He's doing rhythm pull-up middies. He's doing crossover pull-up threes to tie games. It's over. And then and and two days before he did this, he blocked the guy who's trying to win MVP, the scoring leader now, I believe. I believe MB yep. took the leader in scoring. Um, yep. Giannis blocked him in a one-on-one situation with the game on the line and then fell to the ground and hit the ball with his other hand. Giannis is the man. It's it's on over. both ends of the floor. It is over. He is the best player in the league. And we saw what it looks like when the Bucks play fully. They play they played. This Nets Bucks game felt like playoffs, man. I, I was sitting in my seat. All the games are taking the playoff field. The Philadelphia game felt the yep. same way and this Brooklyn Nets game definitely did too. I mean, the Bulls game was supposed to, but the Bulls fucking suck, so <laughs> I'm just going to be completely honest. The Bulls suck. We smacked the hell out of them. We've been saying it since, what, November, (laughs) December, that that team is pretenders. Like, you're not ready to be with the big boys yet. Um, Steve, we appreciate appreciate somebody appreciating our hard work. Um, Dick is going to send me his list of of receivers and tight ends, and I'm going to get them posted probably tomorrow um, so that people can review those. And, you know, you can look at the guys that we looked at and – and make your own determinations. So I'm fully ready for everybody to give me shit and tell me that my list sucks. But I don't care because I put in hours of work and looking at film, you SOBs. It was a lot of hard work. I have a little tiny baby and work a full-time job, okay? Give me some credit. But anyways, we're going to talk about this next Bucks game. Giannis with 44. And this is my favorite part of the whole stats. Write down all the numbers, right? My favorite part of all the stats is Giannis made one freaking three-pointer the whole game. He was one of four. And he made the one. Can you imagine having that set of balls, knowing you're not that good of a shooter? You're all of three at this point. You're on the road. The team you beat, the team that everybody says should have beat you, and you just cross over and pull up for three and bang it. Imagine that set of balls, dude. Man, I'd probably be honest if I had that set of balls. But, man, one person I want to give credit to is Wes Matthews, dude. Yep. Yep. Wesley Matthews was the freaking man in this game. And I was reading comments on, on you know fan pages on Facebook and stuff like that, and I'm like, how can anybody sit there and pretend they know basketball and dog Wesley Matthews because he misses a shot? I'll tell you this. You want to, he has a set of balls, too. He had a guard, Kyrie and Durant, all night. Durant opened the overtime with a three-pointer, and what does Wesley Matthews do? Answers him right back. Wesley Matthews is a vet, and he is a perfect fit for this team. I'm not going to take all the time to talk about this next game. I'm going to let you go. But, man, this game had me fired up. I was like, oh, yeah, we're winning the fucking title again. Baby. I was sitting on the edge. <laughs> I was sitting on the edge watching this game. Yeah. Um, first half, the Nets closed the first quarter on an 11-2 run, and then Giannis dunked on three people. <laughs> He's so good. It's not <laughs> fair. Um, Pat oh. Connaughton scored a four-point play in the second quarter. Yep. Um, Giannis gets a clean contest on a Durant jump shot and then beats him to the other end in transition. Giannis ended the Kubo. He wants every single play. When the Bucs mm-hmm. are playing the Nets, like he's, it feels like he's got another gear even though he's always playing. A hundred, right. right. Um, Giannis and Chris Middleton 
when they are working their two-man game, like we talked about their pick and roll, dude, it's it's like damn near unstoppable when those two run the pick and roll together. Mm-hmm. They're just working the two-man game to perfection. That's why the Brooklyn Nets needed Ben Simmons more than they needed James Harden because they need somebody to try to defend that. Nobody's defending Giannis, dude. I'm sorry. But, but I mean, Brooklyn needed defense. They, they needed did. It. They did. I mean, his his back is out. So imagine coming back from a back injury and you have Giannis leaning on you. Okay. And you <laughs> haven't developed any chemistry with your teammates. Yeah, and you're still afraid to shoot. <laughs> and you're in New York now. Okay, good luck. Um, third quarter still. Bucks still still need to cut down the turnovers. I'm I'm probably just yeah. going to say it every time we talk about it. But the yeah. Bucks went on a 22-13 run to end the third quarter. Their first lead since it was 21 to 19. Brooklyn made their own run at the end of the first quarter. The Bucks made the run at the end of the third quarter. So the third quarter is something that's constantly talked about, and the Bucks did well with that in this game. So you mentioned Wesley Matthews is a guy needing to be given credit for his defense. Yes. There's another guy that I've seen so many people complaining about, and it's George Hill. People need to give George Hill credit for his defense also. I agree. He played really good defense on Kyrie, and keeping him in front of him, not letting him get by him to get to the basket – contesting shots and then at the end of the third quarter Kyrie got past George Hill and he poked the ball away from him Nets didn't even get a shot at the end of the third quarter he's got nice long arms then we get to the fourth quarter and the probably the worst flagrant two call that I have ever seen it absolutely (sighs) baffles me how that is a flagrant two foul I said I this to you. I think that that foul was closer to being a common foul than it was to being a flagrant two. And if you wanted to call it a flagrant one, sure, fine. But the definition of a flagrant two is foul is a foul that's unnecessary and excessive. Mm-hmm. Sure, Middleton could have let him take the dunk. He also slowed down like three gears to get to the position to where he was in. Yeah, it's almost like Even he wanted him to foul him. That's exactly. And I'm not saying that it means that he deserves to be flagrantly fouled, but unnecessary and excessive. Like, Middleton didn't wind up to swat at him, didn't hit him in the face, didn't pull him down. I, don't, I just don't understand where the criteria was for, for it to be a flagrant two. I would have understood a flagrant one because he fell to the ground. Sure. But a flagrant two, I felt, what, I felt like that was the excessive part. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that seems so unnecessary, especially for a guy like Chris Middleton. Like, He's he's not out here committing flagrant fouls on the regular. Like like we talked about it when it happened to Grayson Allen. Like Grayson Allen has a reputation. Like Chris Middleton <laughs> does not have a dirty player reputation. I agree. Like Chris Middleton is a stand up professional. He really is. He just plays hard. I I don't know. I could not wrap my head around it. Um whatever. Um Drew and Giannis getting there at the free throw line. And then yeah. Giannis, I mean, I don't know what you can say about that play. It was the Wisco Fanatics play of the week, actually, was Giannis getting that ball back from Connaughton, getting Drummond on him and seeing that Drummond is giving him five feet of space and hitting a step-back three yeah. with 18 seconds left. <laughs> that game – that and 
not only did that send the game to overtime, but that also passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's Milwaukee Bucks franchise scoring record. Dude, the, the call for that play is legendary. Becoming the all-time leading stro- scorer at one stroke. I'm like, oh, shit, that gave me chills, baby. <laughs> um, so, I mean, then in the second, the not the second half, but overtime period, first shot is a missed shot, and Drew Holiday comes in with his left hand and tips it straight into the basket. That's your point guard out there getting tip-in second chance points. Bro, you want to talk about a sweet shot. Dude, he had like a Kareem shot. And my father-in-law is a big Lakers fan, so he's a big Kareem guy. He was like, oh, he did the Kareem! And I was, uh, oh, it was just funny as hell. <laughs> um, the Bucks played great defense in overtime aside from the Wesley Matthews foul, but that's one of those things where like you don't, you don't fault effort. He was trying to get back to contest the shot. I honestly, mm-hmm. for a little bit, thought they were going to call an offensive foul on KD for kicking his legs out. But um, I think that's, that's just, his natural motion. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't seem unnatural. That's why, yeah. like, I think they just that's why they stuck with the common foul. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It happens. Um, but my opinion, this game was the game that earned Giannis to be in the consideration for MVP. Not that he wasn't already, but were for a serious consideration. When he made that three to send it to overtime and pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and then he made the two free throws in overtime to win the game against a team that's you know still like the favorites to come out of the East, despite being what the eight seed right now. They just got up to the eight seed last night. Yeah, they could lose tonight though. I think they play a back to back. So I mean I don't know what else you can say about Giannis. The only the thing that made me sad about this game was that Middleton got got knocked out of this game for what felt like a really unnecessary reason and that Middleton wasn't on the floor when Giannis passed Kareem. That made yeah. me sad. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but at the end of the day, they're going to have to deal with Middleton in the playoffs, and he's we're about to give them some problems again, dude. We are, in my opinion, and everybody's going to call me biased and we're Wisco fanatics, and I understand, mm-hmm. but to me, we look like the best team. We look like the most complete team. Complete, and yep. That's not crazy for me to say. You could turn on ESPN, and I know we bash ESPN, but they call us the best team. They call Giannis the best player in the league. I know the Suns are going crazy. Uh, Booker and Paul are is a great duo, but we saw last year. Giannis had one leg and was dropping 50 on these dudes, bro. Like He's going to have two legs this year, hopefully. He's going to have two legs. What is he going to do to you? And now he's got a pull-up game. You're screwed. And Drew Holiday shoots 40% from three now. You're screwed. We have a better version of DiVincenzo. You're screwed. I'm sorry. The Bucks got better, and they were the champs last year. We didn't just stand pat. We added pieces. They, and they got deeper. Yeah, I they mean. They got deeper at the trade deadline, too. What? It's about to be a problem, bro. <laughs> I can't wait for playoffs, dude. dude. I'm uh, so Budenholzer ready. Budenholzer is using a playoff rotation, and Serge Ibaka hasn't even cracked it. I know. I've seen that. It's a little weird to me, but that's fine. That's why everybody Budenholzer. freaking out about the, the timeout that was yesterday when we were up by, like, 15 points. I saw somebody comment there, like, why is Bud calling timeout? We're up by 15. This guy's an idiot. I'm like, bro, he's literally trying to get us ready for our playoff rotation so people can get used to playing with people yep. at certain times during the game. Like, how do you not understand that? Yep, that's that's <laughs> what it is. He's, he's really getting the rotation down to about eight guys, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which is going to be the starting lineup, which is Drew, Wes, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke. And then it's going to yep. be Bobby, Grayson Pat. Allen, and George Hill on, and Pat on the bench. Yep. 
That's that's it right there. That's and much if Giannis is in foul trouble and Bobby Portis has to come in early, then they'll bring in Serge Ibaka. I guarantee yep. that's what will happen. Yep. And if and if say a guy like Drew uh, Drew Holiday is in foul trouble for some reason, then you might see Javon Carter get three to five minutes. I just respect Javon Carter because he just comes in, he just does his job, and he plays hard. That's see, all you can ask for. For the people freaking out about Javon Carter, because I've I've seen so many people being like, why is George Hill getting playing time when Javon Carter is playing good defense and making threes? First of all, Javon Carter has not been in the league as long. So in the in the postseason, you want guys you can trust. I'm not saying you can't trust Javon Carter. George Hill has been around the block. Yeah. The first time George Hill was with the Bucks, he was one of their best three-point shooters in the, in the bubble. He was he shooting like 50% on threes. Yeah. And George Hill is not going to turn the ball over. He's going to give you good defense, and he's he's a little bit taller than Javon Carter. I think he's like six four three. or five inches taller. Yeah, and than Javon Carter, like six feet. Yeah. Um. And then George Hill's just coming back from injury, so he needs the minutes too to to get back into the condition. The legs. Yeah. Um. And then the other thing, the flip side of that is Javon Carter's only twenty six years old. Yeah. So that you know, Javon Carter is is you know doing a maturity by taking a back seat here. The Bucks could bring back Javon Carter on a two year deal and say, "Hey, if you play well the next two years, you could be our backup point guard of the future." Yep. But George Hill is the backup point guard of now. Um, the Bucks did sign Luca Vildoza from. Um, he's from Argentina. I think he's been playing in the Spanish league, but he was a 2020 Spanish league MVP. Um, he kind of reminds me of a a less athletic less defending Ben Simmons. Um, Bro, he's spicy with his passes, man. He's he's a good passer, and he's tall, he's spicy. and he's a better shooter than Ben Simmons. So I guess that might not have been the best comparison, but um, he's you know he's he's shifty, he's a good passer, and he can shoot a little bit. Imagine the crowd if he does like a behind-the-head pass to Giannis. Wow. Bro, I'll go crazy in my house. It'll sound like <laughs> 70,000 people in here. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else from the Nets game? Um, did you see that tweet uh, from Nick Wright about Kevin Durant? Did you see any of that? He did a whole uh, thing. On... Was it where he said that like KD never had his time or whatever? Because and he was LeBron second best, and he was second, be- he was second pick, and he was a second high school recruit. And right when he gets his time to be the best player, then Giannis comes and becomes the best player. I love that. I love that. You know. We have the best player in the league in Milwaukee, dude. Think mm-hmm. about that. We're in 2013, right? Me and you, we're going to games. And there's nobody, there's not a lot of people at the games. They're still wearing red and green. We got a skinny 18-year-old kid. And now he's the best player in the league, man. A champion. About to be a two-time defensive player of the year. I mean, yep. crazy times in Milwaukee. Um, but if we flip the script and go to a Clippers game, that guy <laughs> didn't play. And nobody played in that game. Yeah. I, hey, I said it last Wednesday, be prepared for nobody to play in this game. Yeah. I mean, everybody knew when it was a back-to-back and they were playing the Nets the night before in Brooklyn. It was like, And they yeah, went into overtime, too. We're probably losing to the Clippers. <laughs> I know the Clippers yeah. are on back-to-back, too. but. So, I mean, the thing with the Clippers games, the, the really the only things that I had to say about it, Bobby Portis got his groove back. He was 12 yep. for 20, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Jordan Wara had a nice game, efficient game, 10 of 16. He had 25 points. He still needs to clean up his turnovers, so I'm going to keep yep. saying that about Jordan Wara. He needs to take care of his ball security. And then I got to say it because he's a player that I like. I like 
Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish the Bucks had him. He shot 18 threes in this game, and he made 11 of them. He made more threes than the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you want to hear some crazy shit, bro? The Bucks shot 53%, right? That's pretty yep. good. You win a lot of games when you shoot 53%, except when the Clippers shoot 61%. And when you're shooting 32% from three, and yeah. they're shooting 54%, which is better than your overall field goal percentage. This game was horrible to watch if you were actually expecting us to win. If you paid tickets to this game, I apologize. That sucks. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, this is just... Uh, it's one of those games that we call throwaway game. Take a mulligan. It is what it is. On to the yep. next one. Yep. Right. I don't even want to talk about this game, but let's do it. <laughs> All right, so everybody's back. Wesley Matthews starting again. Um, I've seen it. I I wasn't able to, to get all of, you know, get through the entire schedule to figure out if there's a lot of truth to it or not. But I've seen... And I've and I've kind of gotten the feel that the Bucks struggle when they play really early games, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's what happened with this. It was a noon start game. Bucks got off to a hot start and then super cooled off. So they started three for three on threes. Drew Holiday's just might as well put a patent on his step back. Um, yeah. the, the Bucks didn't really rotate quick enough on defense. Was something that really stuck stuck out to me early. Um, I texted Jake. I'm like, the Bucks need to turn out the pressure, and they did, and it started to force Dallas into some turnovers, so they were able to get off to a hot start. The ball movement was great. They started 8 for 16 on threes. George Hill was playing more good defense, like I said, and the Bucks were forcing Dallas late into the shot clock every possession, mm-hmm. like down to 5, 6, 7 seconds on the shot clock every possession. And then the game flipped around. And the Bucks were not nearly as good at the three-point line. I think they were two for ten in the second quarter on threes after starting eight of sixteen. Um, then the second half, um, Brooke Lopez couldn't get his shots to fall in the paint. Just needed his paint touch to work a little better for him. Spoiler alert: It does. Um, yeah. then the Bucks closed the gap a couple times and made a fourteen-zero run. Giannis showing off his mid-range. Um, the offense was feeding the defensive energy, and then back into it. Uh, that's where we talk about the Bucks being a complete team. The Bucks, in my opinion, are one of the best teams that can use defense to feed into their offense and offense to feed into their defense. I really think that's one of the things that the Bucks are the best at because they have so many guys that are two-way players. Yep. And I think that's part of why Wesley Matthews is in the, the starting lineup. Uh, Budenholzer did talk about that. He said he's got him in the starting lineup because it helps take some pressure off of Drew and Chris defensively. Yep. Um, it's a tough game for Chris Middleton. Um, Jake and I agreed he's he's better when he's aggressive, and he played really passive in the first half. And then in the second half, he just couldn't get shots to fall. Um, yeah. He still passed the ball really well. He still finished with nine assists. Um, but you know, late turnovers really hurt the chances of a comeback. But um, the Bucks had balanced scoring in this game, but they just couldn't they couldn't stop Dallas from scoring. Yeah. So here's my analysis on the game. Uh, you took my Chris Middleton piece, by the way. But uh, I really want – I like when he gets out in the first quarter and he just goes crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously everybody you, – you mentioned the 8 of 16 from 3. They were 4 of 10 from the two-point – from two-pointers, field goals, in the first quarter to couple with that 8 of 16. So it was like they were making their threes and not making their twos. 
And with that being said, they felt like they had a rhythm from behind the arc. And I feel like they shot themselves out of this game. Because I feel like they forced some bad shots. And all of a sudden, Luca started getting into the paint, getting into the paint, getting into the paint, getting into the paint. And then you know what he did after that? He got into the paint. And he would either score or he would just... Brooke Lopez was way too far up. Like, my stepson could have made that pass to the center a couple times. I'm like, are you kidding me? Dwight Powell had like 25 points on like 9 of 11 shooting. Yeah, all, all Luca had to do was just like, oh, here, you're open. Go dunk the ball. And that's just literally what happened. Like He the caught the ball game. in the restricted circle by himself like nine at least, times. At le- I was going to say in the first half, at least four or five times. But, I mean, the Bucks they had to clean that up, and they did the next game. Thank God. Because um, if we would have lost to Chicago, that would have been a long show right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those games they gave it away. It sucked. Um, Giannis had 28-10-2. Chris Middleton, 11-9. I mean, he shot 3-14. of 14. It was just one of those games he just wasn't on. He tries to, like, I feel like when he's not scoring and he starts to facilitate, you know, he starts off facilitating, he tries to, like, force shots, I feel like. And that's why I texted you last night during the Bulls game. He had that little little mid-range jumper where he shot it off the glass, and I was like, there he is. He got co- <laughs> he got to a spot. He shot a shot that he's comfortable with. Like, yep. there's Chris Middleton. He was yep. not that player at all during the Mavs game. Yeah. It looked like he wasn't comfortable, and all of a sudden so, it, he felt like he was behind and he was trying to catch up. Here's the thing. Chris Middleton, he's an all-star. Yeah, he's a he's, good player. He is an all-star. Yep. So – in the, in the first half of games, you are an all-star. Go be an all-star. So that's where I'm starting to think about where people aren't mad at his inconsistency. It's the, like the inconsistency of his shooting. It's the inconsistency of his play style almost. And that's, that's where we're maybe going to get into something a little bit deeper here, that that might be the root of what people don't like about Chris Middleton, is that he has those games, and then he starts shooting shots because he's told, like, hey, you're a good shooter. Shoot your shot because that's what he should do. He's a good shooter. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where he gets into some spots where he starts shooting really contested shots or forcing shots and stuff like that, um, You know, which he is capable of making, but you'd just rather see him when he's on an off night to to either be aggressive to get the shot that he wants mm-hmm. or to just assert himself and, I mean, and start that right away. You come into a game and you don't say, like, hey, I'm going to get my teammates involved. Because that's not Chris Middleton's job. That's Giannis's job, and that's Drew Holiday's job, is to get your teammates involved. Middleton's job is to put the ball in the basket. I agree. I don't know. God, what game was this? might have been the Nets game, actually. But it was during halftime, and March Madness was still going on, so they had Dwayne Wade on with Shaquille O'Neal on TNT. And Shaq was talking about how he was the second fiddle to Wade. And Shaq would go up, uh, Wade would go up to Shaq and be like, I need 40, big fella. I need 40, big fella. And he's like, no, no, it's your team, it's your team, whatever. And they're going back and forth. He's like, no, I need 40, big fella. And he said, I need 20 rebounds, big fella. So that's that's the thing that Giannis can be like, Chris, yeah. I'm going to need you to go and go get me 30. Go get me 40 because you're capable of it. That's your mm-hmm. play style. This is your court. You know, just as much as it's Giannis's court, we don't yeah. have a ring without Chris Middleton either. Right. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Giannis because he's great, he's amazing. Everybody's favorite human being right now in Milwaukee, uh, in the state of Wisconsin. But Chris Middleton was a bad dude, especially those last two against the Hawks. 
dude, he went, he went crazy, bro. There was a couple shots where he was doing step back threes, and I was like, ain't no way in hell he would cash it. And I'm like, oh shit, this he was clutch in, in the net series too. He was clutch in the net. He made series. the last Even shot the game, in that game seven. Even the games where he wasn't shooting well, like he was still shooting in the clutch. I mean, Chris Middleton is a big time shot maker, so let's not take anything away from him. But yeah. don't let anybody take your lunch money, man. Go take somebody else's lunch money because that's yeah. what kind of game you have. That's how I feel about Chris Middleton. Yeah. Like, go go if, get yours. If you put Demar Derozan's mentality in Chris Middleton's body, oh, it's a bad dude. I mean, Demar Derozan was in MVP conversation. He just doesn't have the touch from outside. Right. <laughs> Think about that. I I was thinking about it. I was I was getting lost in it a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> I texted you at the end of the fourth quarter when Demar Derozan had forty points. I'm like, Demar Derozan's about to drop fifty and take an L. Yeah, I agreed with you. <laughs> so it poor guy it takes a little bit away from it because the Bulls aren't fully healthy, but the Bucks haven't been fully healthy most of the entire season. So I really don't feel bad for you. Uh, if you want to say DeMar DeRozan belongs in the MVP category, prove it when you play one of the best teams. Because the Bulls still have not beat a top three seed in either conference. Uh, I don't think they have the chance to anymore. I think they're going to go all of 17. Oof. Yeah. I mean, Yikes. you can't call yourself an MVP if you're literally, literally just beating the bad teams and losing to the good ones. You know, <laughs> I had a conversation with a Bulls fan. And this was after the first game, and it was a close game. And I was like, man, you know, the Bucks didn't play that good, but I'm telling you right now, if we played y'all in the playoffs, we'd probably beat you in four or five. He was like, nah, the Bulls would win in four or five at fully healthy. I'm like, I don't know what fucking TV you were watching on, but it definitely wasn't the same when I saw it. The, the, yeah, no. <laughs> Dude, right now, right now, if the playoffs started today, the 3-6 yep. matchup would be Bucks and Bulls. We... Money. Oh my God! If Nikola Vucevic isn't big and strong enough to stop the Bucks' power forward, what do you think is going to happen? No, oh, it's going to be Tristan Thompson. Remember the man? Oh my God, dude! Yeah. Well, we'll put Derek Jones Jr. on him. He's athletic. He's yeah. also like this, this thick, like his entire body. Yeah, he's tiny. They don't have a single person strong enough to deal with Giannis, much less athletic enough. I said it the entire season. They do not have a single person to defend Giannis. Nope. Nobody that they could throw at him would stop him. Not yeah, a I guess that he only person. scored 18 points last night, but he didn't need to play like the entire second half. Well, I mean, with him only scoring 18, he didn't take a freaking shot attempt in the first quarter. And then because everybody was so worried about him, Brooke Lopez goes off for 28. <laughs> Giannis didn't shoot his first free throw until under a minute left in the third quarter. Yeah. That's crazy to me. The guy that big and that athletic didn't shoot a free throw until the third quarter. Yep. So, Middleton, this game started off aggressive. Literally the first bucket of the game. He snapped a mid-range, like an 18-footer. I'm like, okay, I feel I feel good. Like, I feel Chris Middleton's going to get back and have a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Bucks went up 4 nothing. Then the Bulls went on a 6-0 run and went up to 6-4. And then the Bucks responded by going on a 15 to four run to make it 19 to 10. Um, Brooke, Brooke Lopez, he so underrated what he does for the Bucks just by being on the floor. He's a monster, um, dude. Obviously, you see it in the box score with this game, but he helps with spacing and his size just creates mismatches. It does. 
He's just you get big. you get a, a any remotely smaller guy on Brook Lopez. He's literally just going to score over you. You know, sometimes you know this is what I was talking about with tight ends. I say they lumber down the field, right? Brook Lopez literally lumbers lumbers up and down the court. (laughs) And he had that one where I believe it was Chris or Drew that passed it to him. But they gave him a nice bounce pass, and he kind of took it, and he kind of looked smooth when he did the layup, right? But then he has one, like, later in the game, I believe it was the third quarter, where he's, like, turning, and it took, like, four and a half years for him to turn around completely. (laughs) And he elbows the guy in the face, and then he makes the layup, and he goes like this every time he makes a layup. And I'm like, I don't understand how this guy scores, but whatever. (laughs) Like, like DeRozan is a really patient scorer. Like, he, mm-hmm. you know, he'll put a shoulder into you, and then he'll take his really short, slow two steps, but it gets him open. Brooke Lopez does that, but he knows where he is on the floor. Like, yeah. Brooke Lopez has a really good paint presence, so he can score in the paint. He did score in the paint a lot in the playoffs last year, actually. It benefited the Bucks a lot that he oh, was I, able to score in the paint. I hate when he shoots off one foot for threes. I hate it so much. He looks so I hate horrible. It. I hate it when he's got a dude that's eight inches shorter than him, and he pump fakes a three, takes a dribble, and then shoots the three. Like, bro, you don't have any more space than you already did. The guy wasn't contesting your shot anyway. This is your space. Just take what you got, bro. All you did was just waste four <laughs> seconds of everybody's time. <laughs> and then you shoot off one foot, and your right foot's in the air, and I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> like, like Brooke, that guy's six foot five. Why are you shooting a fadeaway? Right, dude. Like, it I get make that sense. you made it and it looks cool, but like that's so unnecessary. <laughs> it is, dude. I love Brooke, though, man. And they, hey, they talked about it during this game. About a, uh, they interviewed Giannis and they asked him, and he said, you know, that he kind of took Brooke for granted when he was younger, but he definitely doesn't now. He saw yeah. the growth, and well, he had to play center the entire season with Bobby Portis. That's why he doesn't take him for granted anymore. <laughs> yeah, you realize how much more banging you have to take. All right, so I did mention that Giannis didn't take his first free throw until less than a minute left in the third quarter. Um, Brooke Lopez, he was catching the ball on the three-point line. They were running him off the three. He was, like, dribbling and slashing to the basket a little bit. That's what I'm saying, Dude, bro. he laid a couple, like, saucy finger rolls in. <laughs> I know, he had one dude. where he, like, went up for a dunk and he, like, he got fouled, so he, like, turned and then finger rolled it in. It's like... Brooke Lopez has much been watching Giannis highlights last night, and he's like, oh, Bro. I could do that. I could do, I could do that. It's going to take That's me a lot I'm longer, saying. but I'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> takes me 14 seconds to get to the rim. Takes Giannis um, five to get the whole court. <laughs> so, Brooke Lopez, he's getting layups, and he's getting free throws. So, we've talked about Brooke Lopez being an over an 80% free throw shooter. That's so valuable to the Bucks too. You can't hack a shack Brooke Lopez. He, he makes eighty like 84% of his free throws. Mm-hmm. So you can't hack a Shaq Brook Lopez. Um, and then the Bulls kind of made a run. It's a game of runs, so it's going to happen. Wesley Matthews is the vocal leader during the timeout. They talked about yep. it during the broadcast. Wesley Matthews is the vocal leader when the Bulls are making their run. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and make this comparison here because I feel like it's a good point to do so. Wesley Matthews is the Mercedes Lewis of the Bucks. I can see that. Because you're getting a good defender. With Wesley Matthews, you get good blocking with Mercedes Lewis. Anything you get on offense is just a bonus. Yep. And when they talk, you listen. Did you see uh, Wesley Matthews caught the ball in the corner and he threw it over to Drew, and Drew made a three, and Drew did Wesley Matthews' yeah, he did. celebration. I was like, oh, hell yeah, baby. <laughs> there was a play a couple a couple plays after that Wesley Matthews 
caught the ball. He did like a pump fake and a pass fake, and then he shot the three and it was perfect swish. It's like, oh, that feels, oh, that looks so good. Man, can you imagine that feeling, bro? On the road, Oof. dude, I love, I love Grayson Allen. I hope we get a, a Bucks Bulls playoff series. I love that Grayson Allen loves being the villain. I love bro, it so much. I was He's just laughing. literally laughing at everybody. He's just out there <laughs> laughing at everybody. Like he knows, like the Bucks are up seventeen, and you're laughing at him. And he's laughing back at you on his way to a win. Bro, and, and Vucevic is getting his ass whooped by two people down low because nobody's going to help him. And then he takes a cheap shot at Grayson Allen when they're getting their asses whooped by 20 in their own house. Uh, Gotta love it, baby. Gotta love it. I think I think Grayson Allen's taking a mature approach to this. I gave him credit a couple weeks ago for taking a mature approach to being moved to the bench. I think mm-hmm. it's benefiting him offensively because he's getting more opportunity on the second unit. Yeah, he's getting he's more playing a lot more fluid. I agree with that. Dude, he's dude, he's actually doing really well getting to the basket. Bro, like we know he, he came for his shooting, but he's actually doing really well getting to the basket. He, he can, can fly finish. a little bit, he, man. He can finish. He had one where he shot like a really high arcing. Like he had to put it up like yeah. this over a defender. It hit like the top of the backboard and went in. I was laughing so freaking hard when that went in, dude. <laughs> and then the play we didn't even mention was the Chris Middleton hammer, bro. Dude, he threw one down. Did you see the bench reacting to that one? Bro, he threw it down hard. He didn't throw it. He fucking I, That was I with love authority. I microphones on the rim because you can hear all the shots hit and they can hear the swish better when they go in and they can hear them better mm-hmm. when they rattle in and you can feel the dunks more when they go. He... That was a dunk. That was not like a. That was not like he, a dunk. That was threw a dunk. It down. Yeah, that was awesome. I love what like because we look at Chris and he's so finesse, you know, and he's, you know, his footwork and he's with his technicals and stuff like that, and he gets the three pointers and he's more of a. His game is beautiful when he's when he's run, running correctly, yep. but for yeah, him to get a little that. little dirty and go to the rim and mix it up a little bit, I was like, oh shit, let's go. <laughs> that's that's like we want to see him be aggressive. It's. It, yeah. it feeds it feeds the team. It feeds him. Like I said, if you see the the bench reacting to when he threw it down, everybody's like, "Oh!" Like Mamu was shook. Yeah, Mamu Mamu was talking with uh, with Grayson after the technical, talking about that. He was the one that came up to him and was chopping it up with him. Mamu was definitely <laughs> he's part of the team now. Yeah. Um. So, Giannis missed two free throws, and then the next possession down, he took a pull up jump shot. Giannis was basically getting to the basket whenever he wanted. So after missing those two free throws and then taking that jump shot, I'm like, I'm really like, oh, Giannis, like you don't need to take that shot. Like it felt like he was just trying to make up for missing the two free throws. Like Giannis, keep going to the basket. The next play was the pick and roll that him and Drew ran, and he got a big dunk out of it. So it it was a really, really small, teeny tiny lapse with with Giannis taking that jump shot, just one bad shot selection. Literally only one bad shot selection um so it's not like he had a trouble with his shot selection the entire game but just that one specific mm-hmm. shot it's really hard finding things to complain about with Giannis. it's really yeah, freaking hard i agree <laughs> so I, that's just I one hope thing that, that uh i hope the celtics beat the bulls tonight because i uh, i kind of man i know i'm asking for a lot but i want the bucks to stay in the three spots so we can play the bulls I, oh my god, that would be I so. I want fun. that so bad. The Bucks and the so Bulls, bad. like I said, is is what what I felt about with the Packers and the Cowboys. Like I really wanted a Packers Cowboys matchup, but I didn't see the Cowboys getting past the 49ers. Yeah, it's 
what it would be like. Yeah, Cody, fun. we ju- we just talked about that floater. It was crazy, man. I couldn't believe he made that shit. And my stepson was sitting next to me, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And he was watching his iPad. He's like, "What happened?" I was like, "Bro, that was nasty." It's like I said, he's he was brought in to be a shooter, but he can finish around the rim. Mm-hmm. So all right, I don't so, know if Tyler's gonna hang on, hang on. I got a PSA. I got a PSA. All right. Are you ready for this? Do you want to understand why Giannis is the best player in the freaking world? You got, I'm about to dog my boy. You got LeBron sitting out games when the Lakers need him. Because I thought, I really think that he was trying to sit out because he was trying to keep his points per game as high as it was. Because he was trying to win the scoring title so that so he could be like, oh, in year 19 at age 37, he won the scoring title. And then you got him beat over there, still lobbying for winning the MVP. He's just trying to go for 40 and trying to dude, pad his he stats. Was, dude, he was trying to get like a sympathy vote with the quote that he put out. He really was. And then Giannis doesn't shoot the damn ball in the first quarter. He has a chance to win the scoring title. He has a chance to take the lead in the MVP voting. He doesn't give a shit about any of that. It's about the Larry. It's about keeping that son of a bitch in this state. That is why Giannis is the best leader and the best player in sports. When he goes, we go. And I just wanted to I just wanted to say that about him B because it really is embarrassing. Like, dude, remember in twenty nineteen when he was like, I'm the most unstoppable player in the NBA, and then Giannis came into your house and blocked you like four times? Yeah, you sure look unstoppable to me, punk ass. I but, hate it, B, man. And and people talk about the free throw thing. Like Giannis gets the free throws, he gets fouled a lot. And Bead, he flops around. There's a difference to the free throws that they get. Yeah, I agree. So, last thing I wanted to say, the Bucks made a 10-2 to run with Giannis on the bench, and they kept growing the lead when Middleton came out of the game, too. Um, I do think there were a lot of weak fouls in this game, both ways. Um, Giannis, Middleton, and DeRozan all ended up with five fouls in this game. Um, mm-hmm. Just too many whistles yeah. all around, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of really soft fouls, both ways. So, I can, I can admit it, you know, both ways, there were some really weak foul calls. But... When it comes down to it, the Bucks just really, really, really balanced, just really dismantled the Bulls. Giannis had 18 points. Milton had 19 points. Drew had 11. Wesley Matthews had 11. Bobby Portis had 13. Grayson Allen had 13. And Brooke Lopez had 28 points. Just balance all the way across the lineup. Agreed. All right. You got anything else you want to say about the Bulls game? Um, screw Chicago. <laughs> the Bucks have won 16 of the last 17 games Yeesh. over the Bulls. <laughs> All right. Power pair, hit me with your two. So I got Giannis Adetokounmpo, obviously. I mean, dude, he became yep. the all-time leading scorer. Yep. He played great on the road. I couldn't keep him off the list as much as I wanted yep. to. He averaged 30-11-5, and, and then I have Brooke Lopez. He huh. averaged 15 points. He only averaged four rebounds, but his 1.5 blocks and his ability to change, you know, how teams play in the paint against the Bucks, is obviously something that is just huge for us. Um, and he had a huge game last night, so that was part of the reason I was like, Brooke Lopez was a difference maker this week. So another guy that I was happy to get back into this, I was very happy to get Bobby Portis back into my power pair. I have Giannis as well. He was 33 of 56 on field goals last week. Averaged 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. 44 points against Brooklyn. The free throw is the 3 to win in overtime. 
Um, and then Bobby Portis, 29 to 53 on field goals last week, 54.7%, average 16 points and eight and a half rebounds. I've been really like Bobby Portis had a rough month of March. It's yeah. nice to see him bouncing back from that. So I agree. those are my two for my power pair coming up for the Bucks. Wrapping up the regular season, we start playoff discussions next week. Mm-hmm. The Bucks aren't going to be in the play-in, so the Bucks have a, a nice rest period. Mm-hmm. So next week we'll play the we'll preview the Bucks playoff opening series, whoever it ends up being. Um, they play tomorrow night at home against the Celtics. I know James is watching; he's going to be watching that game, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And then Friday night they play at the Pistons. This is going to be the same situation we said with the Clippers game. Do not be surprised if everybody sits. It's a back-to-back. They're going from home to Detroit. It's not a far travel, but they still travel, and it's a back-to-back. Don't be surprised if everybody sits out for the Pistons. The Bucks aren't trying to beat the Pistons. It's not a big deal. No, and then they play um, the Cavs. And then Sunday they play the Cavs. So the Cavs might want to be trying to win that game to, to change their seating to stay out of a play-in situation. No, I think um, they're locked in. I think they're locked, locked in the in? play-in. They, they're, yeah. they're, okay. I, I didn't know they how are. close they were. I think Toronto's been playing well, so I think Toronto's going to finish in the in the five or six, and then um, Chicago is going to fall where they fall. And yeah, um, the East is pretty much set, except for Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Charlotte can all kind of move up or down. That's kind of the only okay. thing left. Like if Brooklyn loses tonight and Atlanta wins tonight, Atlanta will go back up to the eight seed. Okay. All right, but yeah, that's I mean that's what's next for the Bucks is there's there's three three games left. Um, oh, I guess my dad's going to the game tomorrow night. Fan appreciation. Hey, you're gonna get tonight. a sweet bobblehead, Jason. Try to get me one of those. I'll give you fifty bucks. Try to get an extra one. I'll give you fifty bucks, dude. I want that bobblehead. It's with Giannis holding the trophy and he has the yeah. the Paschke shirt on. Paschke shirt. Yeah, dude, that one's sick. Be a All good right. game to be at though. I yeah. think yeah, I think tomorrow night will be like the really last game that the Bucks kind of. They ramp it up. I mean, the Cel- the the Cavs game, they might just let everybody play because they'll get a rest after yep. and stuff like that. But yeah. the yeah the Detroit game, I mean, Cade that's, is that's playing really, be a really well. Game. But yeah, that's just going to be one of those ones where it's like, okay, Jordan Wara can be the starter and yep, take all the shots. All right, I agreed. So last thing I got to throw in here is we're going to talk about the about the Brewers. So. It actually happened right before the show and during the show that the Brewers made a trade for two catchers. Uh, Victor Caratini is a 242 career hitter, and they traded for Alex Jackson um, from the Miami Marlins. So Brewers bringing in depth behind Pedro Severino, who was suspended for 80 games for taking a fertility drug that could increase your testosterone. Um, basically, him and his wife were trying to have kids, and he took a drug that uh, was supposed to increase his fertility. And, you know, it... It had a, a substance in it. it was like clemeth, clemifol or something like that. And that can increase your testosterone and it's on the banned substance list. For all mm-hmm. the people saying he should know what he's putting into his body and people should be knowing this and knowing that, like he's from another country. There's a language barrier. There's, you know, in a situation where you're dealing with infertility when you're trying to have kids and you can't, like I'm sure you get to a point where it's like you'll try anything to make it work. So I'm going to cut him some slack. He immediately owned up to it and not going to fight his suspension. So um, he'll be back in the middle of the year. That being said, opening day is supposed to be tomorrow. The chance of rain I saw is going down, but Chicago just put a damn roof on your building. I don't care if it's old and it means, oh, my God, it's so much history here. Like, 
put a roof on your stadium so you can stop canceling games in the Windy City. Yeah, seriously. We already have like a really effed Super up schedule. schedule. So yeah. like, come on. 24 games in 25 days. That's So the Brewers starting rotation, only the top three is really set. It's Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. After that, it's kind of up in the air actually still because um, Eric Lower and Adrian Hauser have been pitching on the same day in spring training. So Greg Council can pick either one. And then with Aaron Ashby, he could potentially be a sixth starter. Greg mm-hmm. Council likes to space his guys out to keep his guys fresh. So Aaron Ashby might start on the sixth day, which would be the second game in Baltimore. Um, it's going to be 24 games in 25 days to start off the season. So the Brewers really might, like Greg Council, really might employ the six-man rotation there. Um, the yeah. DH is nice. It keeps, it keeps guys from having to do... Um, a little extra stuff, but um, just a thought. So, <laughs> um, Cody, no, Luke Roy is not coming back. He played in the the Nationals AAA um, system last year, I think. But other than that, Luke Roy, he's, he's done. Um, but Victor Caratini and Alex Jackson, more depth behind Omar Narvaez. Um, Keep an eye, keep an eye on Mario Feliciano. If he starts really raking in AAA, he might get a call up to come and play in the major leagues. Uh, the thing with Victor Caratini, too, worth mentioning, is that he's played a teeny tiny little bit of third base and first base in his playing career. So, um, you know, in a pinch, the Brewers could, you know, stick him in there at somewhere. Um, they have plenty of versatile guys on the roster because Craig Council likes his utility guys, but. Um, mm-hmm. Victor Caratini just fits that mold as well as a guy you could put somewhere else if you're in a pinch. Yep. Um, opening day tomorrow, man. I'm excited. I always love opening day. Opening day is a great day in America, America's pastime. Um, Brewers baseball just feels right. feels like warm weather's coming, and mm-hmm. people who are stuck in the state of Wisconsin are definitely ready for some goddamn warm weather. I'm sick of this. I don't care about no May April showers bring May flowers bullshit. Stop saying that crap. <laughs> but like, man, I'm just sick and tired of this rain. I'm sick and tired of waking up in the morning. And it's freaking 25 degrees. Like, just give me, just give me 70. Okay, that's all I'm asking for. I'm Dude, not give asking me, for give me 50. Give yeah. me 50, and I'd be happy. Yeah. The over oh, like the overcast, cloudy, 38 and rainy. Yeah, where I have to sit in my house all day and ugh. yeah, I'm sick and tired of it. But Brewers Everything baseball being back. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, definitely says that warm weather is coming, so I always welcome Brewer season, baby. All right. Like I said, that's all we're looking at. We're looking at the top three, and then after that it gets a little more fluid. So, um, Tiger Woods, a- Cody. Tiger Woods. Dude, he's like plus 10,000 or something like that. If you bet 20 bucks on Tiger Woods, it would pay you out like 200 grand. Bro, he's not going to win the fucking <laughs> Masters. <laughs> he's probably going to be what freaking horrible. Did? But if he did, Dude, if he, hey, you're telling me there's a chance, <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to win the Masters. Absolutely right. not. But, but like I said, not much to preview with the Brewers because the season hasn't started yet. So yeah. Um, but they got four games with the Cubs, three games with the Orioles. So that's what we'll be talking about the Brewers next week. Next week we'll also be previewing the Brewers playoff, the Brewers playoff, the Bucks playoff opening series, and then yep. next week with the Packers for the draft series, we're going to be covering the offensive line and one punter. One punter, baby. Let's go. One punter. Only looking at the one. Dad, uh, I know it's 45 in rain in Chicago tomorrow. That's what I said. Yeah, they'll there. definitely delay it. They're not canceling it. I don't think so. I mean, if they cancel it, that would be crazy. They'd have to play a doubleheader right away. Like, jeez. 
Doubleheaders going nine innings. Stadium. Doubleheaders going nine innings now again, right? Yes, the letters. They took nine that innings. away. Yeah, they took that yep. seven inning shit away. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, if it's not tomorrow, we'll eventually have an opening day. <laughs> yeah, it'll be in Milwaukee. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but the Cubs will still be the home team. <laughs> And we'll still win, so who cares? <laughs> hey, you want to make a, a preview for the a, a prediction for the four game series versus the Cubs? Yeah, four to zero. I was just gonna say a four game sweep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, your dad's going to that too. It was ninety yeah. degrees here in Texas. Well, guess what? Texas is lame because you have the Cowboys. So yeah. ah, enjoy in Texas when it's thirty two degrees and you get one inch of snow and nobody acts like they've ever known how to drive in their entire lives. Yeah, for Meanwhile, real. Meanwhile, people are in Wisconsin are doing their normal commute like nothing's even happening. Man, I walk outside in shorts after it snows in freaking February <laughs> to throw the garbage out, man. I don't give a yeah. shit. There's there's levels to it. <laughs> yes. He said good one. <laughs> All right. I well, didn't want to get too crazy on there, Simon. <laughs> we have a little kid audience. In Texas, so I, I hear about the things that, that are different from Wisconsin to Texas and people yeah. acting like a snow apocalypse and pipes freezing and stuff and they're not really having any infrastructure to deal with that because they normally don't have to but people in wisconsin just suck it up and go to work anyways yeah the dog days of winter (laughs) dude like like between january and march is like my least favorite time of the year because like this sucks so bad because like i feel like when christmas is over that's when i want winter to be over and that's never the case Mm mm-mm no, you got to go through like, the no, entire month just of February. Started. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kickoff. Dude, February is the freaking worst month that ever existed of all freaking time. I hate February. You get 28 days of nothing in this state. It is freaking like negative 20 outside. You get nine inches of snow. Like, what? What is happening right now? This is terrible. Oh. Lily's Anyways. birthday is at the beginning of February. She was born like the night that I had to drive Courtney to the hospital to have Lily born. Was a blizzard. That sounds thankfully. Horrible. Thankfully, the apartment we had was like three blocks away from the hospital, and I had a big SUV. Oh, you still had that red one. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I was oh. driving through like like seven inches of snow, and then Lily was born the next and day. And you're oh man, and Courtney's just super uncomfortable. Oh man, <laughs> poor her, dude. Seriously. We just, yeah, we've just been watching Big Bang Theory for like the last nine and a half hours. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, now I watch Blue's Clues for nine and a half hours. So just like, is it? She's like, is it midnight yet? Like, she was ready to go, and then she was born at noon the next day. There you go. There you go. Well, I guess February's not that bad then. <laughs> I mean, the February is Lily's birthday, but environmentally, it sucks. Yeah, I agree with that, man. All right, man. All right. Lots of stuff, lots of good stuff coming next week. Hopefully you enjoyed our wide receiver and tight end um, draft looks and, and targets for the Packers. Like I said, Jake's going to send me his list. I'm going to make a post with my list. We'll post them so you guys can look at them too. Um, and then next week we're going to be doing offensive line. So um, that's what we another, got. Another intriguing group. And remember, one punter. All right, man. One, only one punter. Yes, just that's one. That's it. Because that's like four people told us one punter. Yes. But other than that, I'll talk to you later, buddy. I will see you next week then. Later, man. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.